Okay, I know you just told me. <laughs> Number... I, try, I tried to make a really snappy intro, realized we weren't recording, but okay. I have honestly already forgot the number you told me. What number are we on? We're, we're up to number 19 in the hit list. We are on number 19. This is Fried Squirms. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And number 19 is another Wes Craven. We're hitting Wes Craven again. Yeah, with this, is our, this is our third. Yeah, this is with our scream. third one. With Scream. And uh came out in a... Uh, an odd year for me, but 1996 is his release date, and uh, the reason why is because I was a freshman in high school when this movie came out. See, 96. Yeah. This was late 96. So it was holiday yeah, so season. December, yeah. I would have been nine, okay. which is actually, it seems kind of special to me, too. We, well, let's, let's hold off for a second. Yeah, we can. We can. And we will get straight into the how did that make us squeal, so we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, let's squeal. How does that make you squeal? So we're in the uh, how does it make you squeal oh, section. Man, I have such, such fond memories of this movie. Likewise. It is ridiculous. Like So like you said, first off with you, this is going right into high school. Yeah, this is so like... So I could see how that would be my big. Yeah, my first, uh, yeah, my first semester, fall semester in high school. Yeah, so it's, like I said, for that time period, man, it was a big movie as well, you know? Uh, especially for, like I said, my demographic. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, like I said, a lot of good memories seeing it in the theater with friends. You know, that, that always brings fond memories. So, yeah, it's love and it. Love it to this day. I think for me, like I said, I would have been nine. And and that's that's a lot of, like, the earliest, like, pop culture I remember getting into. And I feel like this might have been very formative for me. Like, seriously, at work just the other day... The entire day I had on an album from just the very next year uh, with Aqua's Aquarium. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> completely away from Scream, but... Right. Because this movie, we've been going through slashers. And so far it's all been... It's been slowly taking this curve from where we get this very established formula, tried and true... And finally, now that we, our last movie that we did, Child's Play, right. it started to bend that and play with it some. And then nothing really happened for a bit. That's, you know, that's, that's a fair uh, assessment. And we got this. And this movie is extremely meta. The whole point oh, yeah. is that they know that they know about slashers. Yeah. And, that, and it's, ever it's, since it's, it's then, really I cool. think that was very formative for me because I've always been in the super meta stuff. We haven't gotten to it yet. Right. But Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, exactly. That's a great Blows point. my mind. Yeah. I, I drool over that movie. The next movie we're going to do is actually very meta as well. It's Wonderful. one of my favorite of all time. Yeah. Um, and I think very much owes a lot to the fact that this movie was even made. Scream is Quite huge. Well. And I was thinking, when, when I was thinking about the fact that we were going to do this, we've just been going through these movies one at a time, and through the years. We have, yes. So, I mean, to start off with Slashers, we hit Halloween. Yeah, and then, like I said, that started in 1978. Yep. Then we went to... Uh, Friday the 13th, right? Part 4. Part 4. Reason being because, you know, the, the, the series was already established at the point. But uh, given the name, the, the final chapter, it, uh, it also really kind of so spawned more of his story arc. But yeah. Right. But that's 1984. Exactly. 1984. Then we uh, we stuck in, in 84 too. Or it was 80. Yeah, I think it was 84. Oh, Maybe 86. Um, 
one of those years with uh it was also 1984 okay right so in 1984 we and also we stuck got in 1984 nightmare on elm street another west craven film yeah by the way establish another horror icon yeah with freddy krueger huge you know then we went on a child's play with it? the last episode 88 88 right uh, another icon yeah a modern icon at least still people remember with chucky, chucky. yeah and then things died out yeah there was a lull I don't say things died out like things stopped. No. Because no. things kept being put out very prolifically. There's oh, a ton of slashers. Quite, yeah, I, mean, and I, I can think of many. Yes. Some of them definitely rise higher than others. Uh, Candyman comes to mind. I would definitely put that in the room. But I would also say that Candyman never quite attained the status no. that Ghostface does with Scream. <laughs> Without a doubt. And it's partially because Scream completely rips the genre apart it, it's a good uh dissection and if you've just been following us i think it's hard to appreciate how the genre had stagnated by the time of 1996 that's a good point because we've just been hitting all these high points in a row so by yeah, 1990 <laughs> an, an ascent in mm-hmm. the slasher realm and then we plateaued while we've been taking an ascent... Yeah, we're still ascending. The the genre as a whole, yeah. I'd say, had been descending. Because yeah. ni- by 1996, we start with Halloween, right? Yeah. By 96, we had gotten Halloween. Yeah. Halloween 2. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, that which has nothing to do with Michael Myers or the rest of the series. Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Halloween 5, The Revenge of <laughs> Michael Myers. And Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Yeah, so... <laughs> That's a lot of entries into that franchise. The second thing that we hit, Friday the 13th, part four. Right. By 96. Wow. This isn't even... We had already hit the fourth entry of the series. We're yeah. not, not even thinking about the first three. But just since the one that we covered to this movie, there was also A New Beginning, part six, Jason Lives, part seven, The New Blood, part eight, Jason Takes Manhattan... <laughs> And Jason goes to hell the final Friday. Right. <laughs> so, wow, man, that's a lot of entries. And with Nightmare on Elm Street, since, I mean, we covered the first one, right? We, sh- we certainly so did. So leading up to this moment in 1996, we get Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, Elm Street 3, Dreams Warriors, 4, The Dream Master, 5, The Dream Child, uh, Final Night, Freddy's Dead, Final Nightmare. Wow. And Wes Craven's new nightmare. Jeez. Yeah, so like still pumping those out. And with Child's Play, if you give me just a second. Yeah, well, you know, you're adding all these films up. I mean, you're already into uh, double digits, easy. Yeah, I just mean... Just with those three is... franchises. And we mentioned, we've mentioned every single one of these episodes that a lot of these take nosedives, especially after the third or fourth entries. It's, uh... And we're talking all of these franchises headwind five six eight entries deep by the time that scream rolled around yeah exactly so you know and these were all these these pillars that all these other ones respond off of yeah and it it's really i mean i remember when i was young slashers were a little bit of a joke i felt like yeah during those time periods i felt like they were a lot more campy than like said some of the the earlier ones that we had already mentioned in these entries in these series right um, so yeah, for, for me, I was still, I think during that time period for me, at least, um, I was more like into the Evil Dead series 
things like that. I was still into Phantasm, things like that. I was more into like the vampire side of things. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of good vampire films coming out during that time period too. A lot of the different Dracula. We had talked about that. but you know, I didn't. I wasn't really paying attention to uh, the Freddy Kruegers and the Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers because I, I like I said for me it was just like eh I've already seen it before I mean mm-hmm. I hate to say it like that but it wasn't anything new on on the on the franchise per se it was just you know I can always go back to it and we will but and then it, just, it didn't feel like anything was groundbreaking is what I'm getting at and then Scream and then like I said completely uh, 180 from what what you were used to in slasher films up to this point right Every time we've went through one of these episodes, we make sure to point out, like, you get punished when you do this. You get, you know, this is this character. This is the yeah. final girl. This is yeah. the virgin. This Scream is... queens, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Scream is a movie where the killer knows all of that. Yes, yeah, so this uh, this particular character, right, is taking its notes. It's, it's done its homework. Uh, so yeah, there's nothing that you can throw at, at this particular character that, that they haven't seen before. This and this entire movie is basically references to horror movies. We were, like I said, we had mentioned right before. I'm pretty sure we're going to miss shit that we really many want to tell references you about. there are. Yeah, I mean, I wrote several down, but I'm sure I've missed several as well. Oh know? yeah, I'm, I'm going to miss things when we go through this, and I've made lots of notes to try to make sure I didn't. I, I started not caring about what was going on in the movie and just trying to t- trying to pick out some of the different references. I think and it, I'm not sure if my certain, notes yeah, there's glowed certain scenes or where suffered more because of that. But yeah. <laughs> It's understandable. I mean, there's times where, like I said, you have to... There's so much that that's going on t- contextually and, you know, like I said, all across the scenes that you might miss... Any anything could happen in a scene, you know that you're, you that you would miss normally if you watched it at regular speed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, even like so for us taking the notes that way we do it, it's easy for us to miss things, you know. Um, but it's still fun. It's still yeah. fun to go back and learn all these neat little facts and caveats whatnot. And some of the facts come just from the cast and crew alone. Oh yeah, we've already mentioned Wes Craven. Yeah, uh, we well, we've mentioned. I mean, this is what the third film of his. We've yeah, done this is now. the third one that we've done. So, if you haven't listened to any of those up, other episodes, first, please go do because we would really appreciate the yeah, support. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but if you haven't, like Wes Craven, monumental in horror. Yes, um, uh, the first one that we we covered were uh, the Hills Have Eyes, the original, right? Mm-hmm. What was that seventy seven? Seventy seven, right? Uh, then we went up to uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, which 84. is. Huge. Freddy Krueger. So you got, you've got two, you know, I'd say, you know, upon watching these films over again, classical horror movies. Hills Have Eyes is part of the reason he did this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's and it just goes to show, you know, that after all these decades later, he was still wanting to, to do horror. Mm-hmm. Does it masterfully as well. So. so, and that's, I mean, that's one of the first things we can get into. Wes Craven didn't originally want to do this movie. Yeah, you're right because um, at this point, I think knowing what we had, like, so we just talked about with the way horror films were going. Upon first glance, you wouldn't think much possibly of this film, just the way you know that it portrays itself. So here's the other thing too uh, with this movie, mm-hmm. originally not entitled Scream. Right. It was uh, what scary movie. <laughs> it's, it's originally entitled Scary Movie. Yeah. Not written by Wes Craven. I mean, he's associated with this movie hugely, and he was very influential in the way this movie was taken. 
but it was originally supposed to be more of a comedy with horror elements. Yeah. Much like Scary Movie. Well, okay, Scary Movie ended up being a ridiculous comedy with very small horror elements. Yeah, I agree. I believe that that this original script was supposed to be a little bit more evenly balanced. uh, No, I I felt like, like you said, with the scary movies after the scream itself, like they were more uh, reference, they were like name dropping as opposed to like the whole entire movie is based upon exactly yeah, um, you know uh, kind of like not necessarily like repossessed because it was all about the exorcist per se but you know you know what we get at he didn't want to do a fucking comedy with horror elements yeah. and he also didn't want to do another gory slasher movie necessarily so he finally decided he wanted to do another gory slasher movie for all the fans that yeah. thought hills have eyes was his best his best yeah, shit. So he had uh, maybe maybe a little chip on his shoulder going into this. The other thing was he got to change it. Yeah. To being more of a horror with comedic elements. And it's it's well done. Once again, well crafted in this film. And gory. I yeah. forgot how gory this movie was. Yeah, you have to pay attention because like I said, it's it's not something a per upon um you know, like said so going into the film remembering, but when you see you're like, Oh shit, yeah, yeah, this is definitely <laughs> You get your money's worth. I mean, there's good reason why Wes Craven is very much associated with this. However, he didn't write it. Yeah. No, um, it wasn't the way the story kind of was originally meant to unfold. And that happens. This only happened because he got to kind of get his way yeah. over the uh, the Weinstein brothers. Yeah. Who that will the fact that it's the Wein, a Weinstein movie will come up again later in one of my most excited notes later on. I'm, but, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Yeah, because it, it is interesting how many uh, films they've got their hands, you know, mm-hmm. in and on. But uh, no, the writer for this film uh, is Kevin Williamson, and uh, he did a lot of films that were, like I said, kind of teen centric. Um, he wrote. Uh, the screenplay for I, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh. He wrote... Uh, when, what year did that come out? Is that after this? I want to say... Yeah, I think it was. I want to say like maybe 97, maybe the, yeah, the following year. I was going to say maybe 98, but... 98, I was just making sense. sure that it wasn't before this. I was no, saying, I don't believe so. There were, there were, we're not saying that there weren't other slashers No, I felt like, like I said, this is, this is one of those films that... And in fact, we've talked about the fact that we're probably going to hit Candyman at some point. Oh, yeah. Wait, I mean, it's, is it, it's inevitable at this point. You know? It just... I can make jokes about child's play, and people will re- get that I'm referencing Chucky. Yeah. I can make jokes about Ghostface, people will get that I'm referencing Scream. Yeah. I can't make point. jokes about the Candyman necessarily, and people will get the reference. No, you you have to be invested, like I said, at a certain point where you have to know those references. So I understand. I know where you're coming from. Yeah, like I said, but like I said, getting back to to Mister mm-hmm. Williamson here, he wrote once again uh, the Faculty. He was a part of that. Uh, that I was a good film. Movie. Yeah, that's uh, like I said, it's another one of those teen-centric late '90s films. Really uh, good. I'm a big fan of Robert Rodriguez. So. Yeah, man. He he wrote for the show Dawson's Creek. Oh wow. Um, which is interesting because when uh when they were scouting that Dawson. Yeah, he met the Dawson. <laughs> uh, he met Pacey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anywho, he uh, he grew up in an area of North Carolina uh, where I think it was there was a part of it actually named Dawson's Creek. And interesting note about this film, like I said, some of the scouting was done in North Carolina. It was almost filmed there yeah. because part of Wes Craven coming onto the movie was his demand that it be filmed be shot in the U.S. In the U.S. Yeah, they wanted to shoot it what initially in Vancouver. Yeah, because it would like save, a million, like a million dollars. Yeah. 
hats off to them because it, it does give you a. Uh, I don't think I, I was read. Pretty interesting I don't the think way. I read where it was shot. It was uh, shot it was somewhere in California. The, okay, um, I knew that it was in the United States somewhere, but yeah, I can't remember exactly where in California. But I mean, upon looking at it, I mean, it's very rural. So it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the way it looked. Really sweet. Uh, but anywho, he also wrote uh, teaching Mrs. Tingle. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like I said, I think that's. Uh, oh, that was kind of fucked up if I remember right. Yeah, it was a pretty wild movie. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say that the, one of the main actors in it was also in uh, Seventh Heaven. Which we just talked about in our previous episode. Seventh yeah, I was like, oh, there we go again. But yeah, like I so said, this is what uh, Kevin Williamson's known for. But mm-hmm. he also he he he's still with the franchise. I think he's still writing for the TV show we we had mentioned off of our recording here. I'm gonna have, and as we mentioned, I think I'm gonna have to check it out after we. Yeah, I mean, this you know, exactly. I was like, man, I forgot how really really good this film is. Mm-hmm. Man, it's a really good film. I would recommend this to anybody who wanted to to see a good movie. You know, yeah, I agree. Now <laughs> there is. Cast members I can just name off off the top of my head, maybe yeah. not all their credits, and that's why I'm thankful because I know that you'll have some great credits on some of these motherfuckers. You know, I, I didn't really write them down, but I remember a lot of these people because all movies. of these we we grew up I, with. All I don't of these have cats. to really write like them I said, down. this I was them. this was the time that I was growing up, and these these were the people that I was growing up with. I can yeah, I mean that makes sense because like I said, I was getting into my teenage, my mid teenage years. When a lot of these actors and actresses were popping up in all these films, like I said, they're in the late 90s. And this is like when I first started knowing that I was, you know, intentionally noticing pop culture. Yeah. This is who I was noticing. Yeah. So... You, you want me to... Uh, so, I mean, who should we start with? That's all I'm wondering. Let's, let's start with our first person that we actually see, the star. Like a, a star uh, in Drew Barrymore. Who... Uh, insisted that she be this character. Yeah, and the reason being because she wanted to see what would happen, you know? like She wanted uh, the audiences to know that anything could happen. Exactly. Because she was the biggest star that was signed on. Which, like I said, talking about all these films, it also gives, like I said, a little nod to a, a movie that would be referenced throughout this film. I don't know if I want to nod to it quite yet, but um, there was a famous actress in uh, the 1960, I think 1960, who uh, was a victim early in the film and it surprised audiences because she was a well-known actress mm-hmm. she's like she's killed within the first 15 minutes of the film so i'll i'll mention it once we get a little bit deeper but uh you know i think like i said gives a little nod but she plays uh casey becker in the film right true um yeah. no like so when i think drew barrymore i mean how many films do you want to discuss here how many decades do you want to discuss here right uh, i mean she's been me... in stephen king films as a little girl steven spielberg et yeah, um, i always think Cat's of like a singer Oh yeah, I'm a wedding singer. I mean, he like said, there's so many films I could think of with her too because she's been in comedy. Because yeah, I think of her comedy career because yeah. that was like the era of her that she I was, grew she up. She was with. in one of the Poison Ivy series. Mm. <laughs> Not that I know that, but no, I do. Mm. <laughs> but you know, it, it's interesting because she's. I'll, I'll tell you another one um, that she had a big hand in was Donnie Darko and. Yeah. One of my favorite films. Great flick. Yeah. Great movie. So, uh, you know, she does some serious I mean, really, if you don't well. know who Drew Barrymore is, you need I don't to start watching this film. Like, you, you don't I mean, know. I'm, we are glad that you are, but. We're you, glad that you are. But, but you but... should, you should, like I said, at least after this film, go hunt down a lot of her films because you won't be disappointed. I promise that. The, like I said, the interesting thing is she doesn't last, what, maybe 12 minutes in this film, something like that? 15 something minutes? Like that. Not very long. It actually so kind of surprises me how long she lasts, but whatever. Yeah. Looking back on it, because this movie, that's the other weird thing. Like, I didn't realize this movie's 20 minutes longer than the last five movies we've done. That's a good point, because when I was writing my notes for this film initially, I was like, 
man, I'm going to eat up a lot of pages. But after I wrote down all my notes, I was like, it wasn't that bad. No, it's just there's lots of drawn-out sequences of terror. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. That was yeah, like, no, that's cool. I can at least watch this film for what it's worth. So, yeah, like I said, we talked about Drew Barrymore. Here's an interesting cast member because you don't see their face. You only hear the, their voice. Are we talking Roger Jackson? We're talking Mr. Uh, Mr. Jackson. I'm sorry, Mr. Jackson. Uh, but he's the phone voice of the character that that is in this film. That is our our slasher. Ghostface. Ghostface. When we say killer, we don't mean the rapper. No. We're not... not and I, I love that movie, too, actually, where he gets Ghostface killer from. But. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, but, you know, like I said, this is, uh, I think, a really iconic voice. When you think... And when you can remember the voice... Of the ghost face, and you, you like, I mean, that's like, oh, you, yeah. But you, it's it's funny because you don't you don't ever get to see the face. You never get to see the face, and it was done intentionally as well on set. Well, it was a placeholder at first, yeah, and then they just liked him. They liked the voice, and it's a great voice. It's a he great has voice. A good voice. A, yeah, I agree. Um, and they had never met him, so when yeah. Drew Barrymore and Nev Campbell are talking with him, they're really the phone, talking. They're to really him talking like, to him for the first time sometimes yeah. i think and depending so, on which take they took obviously but. well yeah but still it's a it's an interesting note you know to put that in a film to give that effect mm-hmm. for that character so yeah mr jackson plays and i just mentioned nev kemble um all right here's something that i'll mention about her right she plays sydney prescott in the film but the thing i want to mention when i think of nev campbell there's a show in the 90s that i, I was guilty of watching you uh, didn't i i most definitely did oh uh, you gotta remember during that time period there was a I lot guess, of those. I mean, shows. I, wa- I watch worse shows than that, but <laughs> but no, she was in a party of five. She was in party of five, right? And I always uh, think we're in the craft. But there was a reason I watched the party of five because there was somebody else that was in the party of five in that cast. Oh yeah, yeah. there was. Uh, I love. Continue. <laughs> um, so anywho, she played uh, like I said in that series had a lot of uh, teen actors and actresses and even a. Uh, a guy who's still doing stuff later on that was in Lost. Uh, was it uh, Matthew Fox? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Scott Wolf and all these different mm-hmm. people. Jennifer Love Hewitt, who I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anywho, like I said, that's what I remember her from. But then, like I said, she stars in this film. And I, I felt like her career really took off after that. Because that was, like I said, that was a series that was on Fox. And it wasn't like a really popular series. It was just either you watched it or you didn't watch mm-hmm. it. But anyhow, she plays a great character in this film. I yeah. think they really cast it well. And she knocked it out. Yeah, man. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I, re- I would like said I really like the way she she did the, uh, her parts in the film. Mm-hmm. She was a great actress in this. Um, another guy that was in this film plays Billy. Billy Loomis. Billy First Loomis. Off, Loomis. Yes, Loomis. I, I kept seeing that name and I was like, hold on, Loomis is from Halloween. Halloween. Right, and that that and comes from Doctor Loomis. Psycho. Yes. So it even goes back to Mr. Hitchcock, right? That's right. So we're going all the way back to 1960 with this name. So anywho, Billy Loomis is played by Skeet Ulrich. Who the fuck names our kid Skeet? Skeet, Skeet. Man. Yeah. Like, I'm, that's the only problem. I'm uh, sorry, man. Skeet. Like, look, I like interesting names, yeah. too, man. I'm sorry to get down on you, Skeet, just for I, that. You know, I'm it, sure, it makes I'm sure the people wonder. have got down on you your entire life. I'm not the first one. No, of course not. I won't be the last, no. but I just want to apologize, but... Every time I saw your name in the credits, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's unfortunate. Sorry. Yeah, I hope he has. I hope he goes by a different nickname. I hope yeah. he has a cool nickname. But anywho, uh, he was also in a film with Nev Kimball as well in uh, the Witchcraft. Yeah, he was in the Craft. Yeah, uh, the Craft with Nev Kimball. Yeah, that and was a he, good film actually. He bad. was cast because he of looked how like similar somebody. he looked to Johnny Depp. Who... Yeah, was in a Nightmare on Elm Street. We we covered a few episodes back. So you know. 
upon watching this film too, and I'm this looking at him. This entire movie is just fucking call outs to other movies. It is. I mean, you can't help but reference all these other films. But uh, he does look like a young Johnny Depp, and although he's like 26 when this film was. Uh, I want to. Yeah, there, there's a little note I want to make. Oh about yeah, that here well definitely. Pretty it's pretty um, funny. But yeah, he plays Billy Loomis, and like I said, Loomis is a big name throughout some of these films we've already covered. Another actress uh, who was in a big series in the nineties. Uh, she was she was a friend, and she was also in a Mr. Springsteen music video in the eighties. Uh, we're talking about Mrs. Courtney Cox here. Oh, you Mrs. guys can't see it, but I'm I'm doing the. Uh, he's doing a shuffle. I'm doing <laughs> the doing, dancing in the dark. Yeah, uh, which is it, it's it's funny knowing that, and then like seeing all this because she's. She's, she does a great part, and she carries on uh, this this uh, character in Gail Weathers, right? Yep, Gail So Weathers. I remember her from Friends. Sounds like a meteorologist. Yeah, sounds like a meteorologist. Uh, like I said, she's she's been in music videos. She wanted to, she petitioned hard for this part. Yeah, because she was used to playing kind of like that. that sweet. I, yeah, sweet, kind of like, you know, like your best friend, uh, you know, if you if, if you had a best for friend, record, girlfriend. I'm sorry, I'm one of the few people that hate Friends, but. Yeah, that's okay, I understand. I'll just I'll say no comment at this yeah, point because I'm sorry. It's all right. I'm one of the few people I know. Yeah, yeah it's okay. There, I mean, like I so said, we all we all we all have our tastes. It's mm-hmm. No big deal. But she like said so she played an interesting character in this film because she took a big character change and like said so what she's used to playing at this mm-hmm. point in her film or her acting career. And this movie was also huge for her. Yeah. In that she met... She met her husband in... Um, up until 2013, anyway. Yeah, but at this point... Uh, at this point, she's Courtney Cox, not... Not Mrs. David Arquette. Not Courtney Cox Arquette. No. because But we also have David Arquette in this. And he plays Deputy Dewey. Dewey Riley, or as he uh, put it Dwight. later on, Dwight Riley, right? But at this point, I'm trying to think if I remember seeing him and stuff. I know he had done like um, like some independent films and stuff like that. I'm trying to remember. I think this and might the, be the first thing I really remember him in. Yeah, because I think everything after that, I have a more of a fond memory of uh, David Arquette. And that, that's not discrediting him. But I think this was like one of those films that really spawned his career after this. Um, yeah. You know, um, hats off because he is a sibling of Patricia Arquette who happens to be... And A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. I think she's a dream warrior. Yeah, I think Um, she is too. Yeah, so hats off, um, you know. And David Arquette is also in one of my favorite black comedy horror movies, Ravenous. Oh, yeah. That I think we've talked about covering at some point. You know, he's also... Eight-Legged Freaks, is that what you were about to say? No, 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 no. This is another ode because, for me, I think I'm the one who brings it up and, you know, this is more of my child coming out. But he plays in a, a film with, um, uh, I think his name is Scott Cam. Okay. Or Khan. Uh, Scott Khan. But he's in, um, let's see, I think it's Ready to Rumble. Ready to Rumble. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, Diamond Upside Down's a pussy. Yeah, which I talked about with wrestling, right? So if you like a good comedy, right, that involves wrestling. That involves professional wrestling. Involves the Macho Man and figures and like that. Diamond Dallas Page and, you know, other characters as well. But that's something I remember him in, because that's like, I'm like, oh, man, when I think of Arquette, I love that film. But they met on set, got married. They did. Yeah, he and, and Courtney Cox. They Mar- were married for a while. Yeah. No longer, but. Yeah, it happens. She's back on the market. He's back on the market, apparently. Uh, what else was I going to say? There was something I was going to. Oh, so he is supposed to be 25 in this movie. Yeah. and Which would be seven years older than the rest of the characters. The cast, right? Like the main cast. However, I believe, that. as you already pointed out, there are certain Skeet actors was older and, than him. Yeah, he was. Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard, who plays Stuart, right, in the film. 
He was as well. Um, when I think of Lillard, so um, do. No, man. <laughs> well, yes and no. But I think of him in, in Salt Lake City Punk. Yes, uh, yes. Love I that agree. film, man. So I think <laughs> of him. You love him in Scooby Doo. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, that's he. He's he's guilty. I of also that. think of him very much in Thirteen Ghosts. Yeah, he's good in that. And um, she's all that. She's I all actually that. Was which, just talking about she's all that with somebody. Speaking the other of day. other actresses, yeah, yeah, there's been a crush on one of those. But anywho, um, yeah, Matthew Lillard. He plays kind of like that, uh, almost like a sidekick kind of you know guy who likes to joke around a lot, make. You know, cut little jokes or whatever. Always has a quip. But plays a good part in this film, man. Like I said, plays Stuart. Another 90s actor. Uh, which is funny, because like I said, I looked at him now, and I was like, damn, he's almost 50. Oh, also Hackers. Oh, that's a good film, too, dude. Hackers. That's a really good film. I don't really know why that film. didn't just immediately jump to my uh, That's an Angelina. Hackers fantastic right? movie. Mm-hmm. There we go, man. I do remember that one. Um, God, geez, there's still so many people to get to, isn't oh, there? All right, here's another one. Since we're talking about this, I'll name her first because I do like this actress in Rose McGowan. Um, she I plays this, Tatum Riley. Right? This might be like where my crush on Rose McGowan started. She was in a series that you you might be more familiar with, right? And Charmed. Right? I love Charmed. Here's a film that I remember her from is actually Jawbreaker. Jawbreaker is a great film. Yeah. I've seen Jawbreaker. You know, so I—that's when I associate However, with her. I love some Charmed. Charmed is named that for a reason because there's another actress who shows up in a film that kind of parodies this film mm-hmm. later on with Mr. Craven, right? Who was in Charmed as well? Yeah, Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan. Yeah, um, she's. Uh, she had, like I said, uh, there's interesting an interesting note about piece this. of trivia I want to point out. She's later been in some on. pretty interesting films, man. Oh, I also want to point out, like I mentioned earlier, yeah. I'm a big fan of Robert Rodriguez. Yes, and I'm, she has been in Planet Terror. Great films, man. Those Grindhouse, dude, they were they were really good, man. She had a cool part too. And I, with her, I, don't, uh, I don't know appendage. if they're still together, but I know that they were for a bit. So well, that's cool. Uh, she was also in Monkey Bone. I liked that movie quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, I remember I'm a big that one. Brendan Fraser fan. Too. I like Brendan Fraser, man. That's uh, uh, Sencino man. Yeah, Black Dahlia. Yeah, she God. was in a film. Sencino uh, man. Yeah, that's funny, dude. Keep going. Phantoms, on, dude. Phantoms, come on, Affleck. Batman. Come on, Affleck. You would have bombed the Phantoms, yo. Let's she was in Ready to Rumble. I think there was a film, um, look, Ready to Rumble. Yeah, she was in Ready to Rumble as well with David Arquette. So, like I said, she's been in some really cool films, man. She's a good actress. Oh, uh, she was in the Jason Momoa, Conan the Barbarian. Conan. I love that. I like me some Jason Momoa. Yeah, that's cool, what. man. Yeah, no, he's a good actor, man. Jeez, who else do we got? So, okay, we've so, hit Rose McGowan. So, here's, here's another guy I want to mention him because, man, I'm glad they put him in this film. He's funny. You, you, either, oh. you either like him or you don't like him. I think I know Jamie Kennedy. Love Jamie Kennedy. God, I always forget that it's Jamie Kennedy. Dude, Jamie Kennedy's funny in this film. He's got some really good lines, and he has some rules for us at home mentioned a little bit later on, right? He he follows a certain he, format, a certain guide. He's the most genre-savvy character in the movie. Yes, he is, man. And there's a reason, too, because he has a really cool job, man. If you, you know, if you think yeah, about he it. Does. I mean... I'll put it this way. If money wasn't an issue, that would be an, a really cool job to have. And just work at a fucking video store? Shit, yeah. yeah, dude. I'm like, look, you have access Go to work, work at the RST stuff. video? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, whatever, man. But yeah, he has he had some really cool lines. And the reason I think Wes Craven, I don't say think, the, way, the reason Wes Craven cast him is because he, he improvised a lot of things and it made him laugh. 
Mm-hmm. And so he's like, all right, man, you're on board. Um, Matthew Lillard as Matthew well. Matthew Lillard was actually accompanying really his then-girlfriend yeah. to yeah, I didn't read a about completely that. different audition. Yep. And he sort of just got like, like picked out in the hallway or something. I think so. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he loved the intensity he brought to the role. And he's fantastic. And yes, he, he improvised is, a lot of lines as well. And he has some funny lines. He has some really funny lines in this And it this really film. brought a lot to the character, I thought. You know, and the reason I like that kind of... And that, that intensity is true. Yeah. Like, Lillard is fantastic in and this movie. We had talked, you know, like I said, with dialogue and... and Certain films, like I said, when you when you listen to the their dialogue, it's <laughs> it can be really schlocky and really like what the hell. I think that's one of the problems I had with this movie. Upon having to rewatch it, yeah. For this, is most of the movie I love. I don't like scenes when Nev and Skeet are interacting. It yeah, ro- it's, their it, dialogue reminds me too much of Gilmore Girls. I can understand. <laughs> I can understand that because it's like. <laughs> Kind of that. It's ridiculous. It, it's it's really like <laughs> otherwise on board. But I, it's you got to remember too. Like and I'm not I'm not saying this because you're you're absolutely right. But it might have been intentionally done that way too, mm-hmm. just for the context film. Like oh, I agree. Like the, what they're saying has a lot to do with the context uh, of the film and almost but you're right. The, the dialogue the is like ways, really but their dialogue is kind yeah, of yeah. I agree with you with the Gilmore Girls. Um, but yeah, we were talking about Jamie Kennedy. He played in, in one of the masks, which, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But when I think of Jamie Kennedy, I think of him as Malibu's Most Wanted. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. <laughs> I That's love what I that think film. Of too. I love Malibu's Most Wanted. Yeah, Jamie Kennedy <laughs> is fucking funny, man. Like, he, you gotta understand his humor. Like, he's, you know, he's one of those guys, like, he's fun to have around because he'll make jokes. He'll probably get annoying after a bit. But it's okay, you know what I mean? Because he, he doesn't have bad intentions. He's just funny, and he's trying out jokes. <laughs> That's how I feel about him. Like kind of like Polly Shore. Another actor who's not really in it for a long time, per se, but he is in this film briefly, is Lee Schreiber. Uh, okay, yeah. I was hoping you were going to say him. And yeah, Mr. At least Cotton one Weary. other episode. I'm not, um, so. Like I said, when, when we think about actors and actresses, uh, Lee, he's been in a lot of films, man. My favorite thing about Lee Schreiber is one of my favorite movies was his directorial debut with Everything is Illuminated. Oh, that's a good film. That's a really good film. That was his directorial debut, and it's by far one of my favorite movies. That movie's incredible. That's 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 non-horror. Sorry, people. But if you're looking for a funny, heart-wrenching tale of finding your family after the Holocaust, yeah. Um, you know, uh, uncovering family secrets and shit, but um, not in a bad way. No, 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 no. Not in a bad mean. way, just no. in a... In like an illuminating way. Yeah. Um, it was really cool because I mentioned a video rental place that I was renting videos at, and that's another place where I happened to, to rent that movie from. Hmm. Same place I found um, Martyrs. Nice. Uh, so, that's an uh, quite store. on yeah, I mean, different ends of the spectrum there. Yeah, but they were on the up and up with their collection. Yeah, that in the grocery store. Dude, yeah, that sounds like a fucking great collection already. To yeah, me. I was like, uh, you know, I shop here already. Um, on my way in or out, I can stop in and get a movie. Why not check them out? But anywho, yeah, Lee Shriver's in this for a little bit as Cotton Weary, and he mm-hmm. plays a character that we'll mention. I'll, I'll like to mention a little bit later on, but he his character is Cotton Weary. Oh, he was also uh, Sabretooth, by Oh, the way. yeah, dude. Sabretooth. Um, another series that I'm glad that they've extended is Goon. Because uh, uh, he's in that as well. And I haven't watched it, but I've only heard good things about Ray Donovan. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is interesting. We just talked about Hackers, which is Angelina Jolie, and he plays with her father. Mm-hmm. Um, so go figure, man. Uh, there's a very... John Voight, yeah. Yeah, there's a very small character actor in this movie. Yes. That I want to point out. Yes, please Because do. he's a connection. Yes. Sheriff Burke is played by Joseph Whip. Yep. Who we last saw as, I believe, the incompetent police officer. Mm-hmm. And Nightmare on Elm Street. Can you imagine that, man? It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. I think I'll go. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> I know, right? It's so great, though. It's funny. but I wanted to make sure to point him out. There's probably... Uh, he's I, not I in it for very long, missing... but there's certain scenes that he's in. Are we missing anybody Anybody big anyway? Yeah. Was... Uh, well, I've got a couple of... I've got th- at least three more. Not big, okay. per se, but um, they play like little bit parts. Uh, Henry Winkler. Oh, shit. How did I forget that? Principal okay. Arthur Hembree, right? No. When I think of Mr. Winkler... Hey! Hey! He's the Fonz, man. Right? Uh, Happy Days, man. With Ron Howard. I love Happy Days, dude. The That's one, such a good show, man. The fucking... The dance competition. Yeah. Little sock hops and all these things, man. Mm. It, was, it was a good show, man. Ron Howard, like I said, you got uh, Henry Winkler. It was just a good show. Good, clean, fun show. But yeah, he plays the principal. He's been in some other things as well. I was uh, thinking of the Water Boy. Yeah, I was like, I, when I was when I was thinking about what credits I want to talk about, he plays the head coach in Water Boy with Adam Sandler, right? He's the incompetent head coach who has a master plan at the at, at the end of the movie. So master good. play. I mean, a bunch <laughs> of things, man. All sorts of shit at this point. Fucking... But it's really cool that he got he he was in this film, and I think they even use uh, a prop. From one of his shows, we just mentioned. They do. We'll get up to that. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Um, another actress that I want to mention because we have mentioned her several times. We even covered a film that she's oh, in. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. If you don't, if you're not paying attention, you'll miss her. You'll miss her. We get a cameo at least by once. Linda Blair. Yes. Who we last hit and repossessed. We we talked about repossessed. Is known for The Exorcist, obviously. Yeah. So when you Exorcist think of her, Exorcist is referenced extensively. Well, not extensively, but it's referenced by name a couple times in this movie. Exactly. And she shows up for uh, a speaking line. Yeah, and which is really another cool. Another split second appearance. Yeah, so you know she. If you don't pay attention, man, she'll show up in films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but she gets a small part. Really cool that they they brought her back into, uh, like I said, to frame, so to speak. And the other credit that I got for this film is uh, W. Earl Brown. He plays Kenny Jones. He's the camera guy in this film right. You know, like so when I when I wrote these notes down, I was thinking of more or less like sort of. Or, main actors and actresses and then further watching this film I was like you know I gotta at least you know give some of these people credit too because they were in the film more so than not you know but yeah man like I said it's really strong cast and like I said uh, a lot of these actors and actresses have established themselves well beyond this credit now there's and a lot of them stuck with it well not a lot but quite a few of them did stick with the, the franchise there's there's one other thing that I really I really would like to point out for as far as in these little technical notes while we're here and the special effects team. Yeah, I still do have some, some technical notes, but yeah. On this movie uh, was done by the KNB effects team. Now, this is very notable oh, because big time. KNB uh, would be Robert Kurtzman, right? Gregory Nicotero, and Howard Berger. And Howard right? Berger. Uh, we'll actually go in. We'll actually go in uh, opposite order for that. No, it's okay. Howard Berger, yeah, yeah. you would know mostly for doing effects in the Chronicle and Arnia films. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was uh, makeup effects on that. He has done over like 200 
films to his credits. Um, he often works with Sam Raimi. Yeah, and that uh, makes he sense. did Oz of the Great and Powerful effects on that, and he does makeup on The Walking Dead. Yeah, so you know that's a huge name in special effects makeup. Um, so if you've if you've seen uh, probably blood, gore, and things like that, uh, like I said, prosthetic makeup, etc., you've probably seen Burger somewhere. Now you get to Gregory Nicotero. Yes, which is another huge name in special effects. Uh, You get a guy who studied under Tom Savini. Tom Savini is huge. You can't. You you can almost not watch horror films without paying ode to to Savini somehow. Uh, His first effects makeup job was on Romero's '85 Day of the Dead. That's a great film. That's a really good film. And he did, you know, makeup in Narnia, yep. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, Frank Herbert's Dune. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which is another one. He's also the co-executive producer on The Walking Dead and Fear of the really Walking cool. Dead. Yeah. So, I mean, like I and said... And he's directed at 17 episodes of it. That's really cool. Like I said, these guys, they have an, such an extensive career. You start looking through career. some of these things. Yeah, it, it's He did it's some of the effects on Hostel, yep. Dominion, Sin City, Serenity, Desperation, like said, if, Poseidon, if you've Vanilla seen Sky, 13 any, Ghosts, any kind Ghost of, of Mars. Yeah, it's unreal. <laughs> uh, it's Evil awesome seeing there. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. But the guy that I didn't know worked on this, Robert Kurtzman, yeah. very specifically designed something that me and you both love that we are going to hit on the show at some point and i can't wait it still might not come up for a while because there's other things we want to get to first robert kurtzman designed the walrus oh, in suit in wow. tusk Jeez, I, that movie was just uh mentioned to me last night by my brother-in-law he asked me had i'd watched it i'm like yeah i watched it he's like that's he's like i i remember you Letting me borrow. He's like, I haven't watched it yet. And I was like, man, you need to watch this film, dude. I mean, visual effects supervisor wow, on Devil's really cool. Rejects, special yeah. makes effects on Cabin Fever. There you go. We just mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, Vanilla Sky, special effects makeup, uh, Faculty, New Nightmare, yep. Jason Goes to Hell, Final Friday. Like, as we're popping through some wow, of these man. other things that we just mentioned and other shit. Like I said, like, this is why we said Body Back, Bride of Reanimator. Wow. Phantasm 2, Predator. Dude, like I said, you almost cannot watch a certain horror film without Evil seeing Dead these names 2. pop up. Yeah, dude, so many good films. Speaking of Phantasm 2, I just let my brother-in-law borrow that the other night as well. So Nice. He was interested because that was the first time he had seen Maniac Phantasm. Cop 3. <laughs> there you go. I remember watching those Maniac Cop uh, Dude, series. Pumpkinhead 2. Uh, that was another one that you were talking about. Early on, like those franchises, Pumpkinhead, yeah. You either know Pumpkinhead or you don't. You know, mm-hmm. they had more than one. Um, you know, but it, like I said, it wasn't anything bro- it, not necessarily groundbreaking, but it was interesting. But yeah. I knew that when I could tell you that he did Jeez. the walrus suit for Tusk. I'm like, what? Poor Justin. <laughs> Poor Justin. We are going to hit that movie at some point. We just haven't. You know, I think that, funny, I think that one's going to be a little bit of a special. We had mentioned one. Justin doing a. Uh, a remake. Yeah, that would be great, I still think. I think so, too. It's just ironic in a sense that, or maybe it's coincidental that we're bringing him up again, because he was he was a walrus. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what wow. I definitely wanted to point out. That's really cool, man. Well, like I said, well, since we're mentioning this, and I, I like the fact that you brought that, that team up, because those are huge names. Those are almost Godfather-like names in horror films, right, for special effects. And there's a couple effects where this 
it, oh, man. it shows yes. in this movie. They do a really, um, really great job. I mean, how can they not? Let's do a little bit of uh, the, I guess, the, the warning right now. I can't Because I think it makes sense because... Let me get a, a few things and then we'll get right into it. It's actually pretty gory. Yeah, no, no. It, it, this film has a lot of blood. They used like 50 gallons of blood for this film, right? Mm-hmm. The special effects team. Um, so you got to think of that. There's, there is violence. There's going to be some graphic content. There's several scenes of, like, say, um, there's guts, violence, there's guts, violence. and uh, gore. There's there's some definitely graphic scene, like content in certain scenes. And language, definitely language. Um, there's sexual themes right throughout the film, but not as heavy as some as what we've no, hit already. No, no, no. It's and just, not as much as most slashers, I'd say. Yeah, it's a teenage wasteland. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like I said, outside of that, I, you know. It's nothing unusual, per se, if you followed us up to this point. It's nothing extreme that you haven't seen, mm-hmm. maybe, up to this point. But, you know, you still have to give that warning, because it's not for kids. It's not, uh, you know, for those who who are not comfortable with these scenes of, like I said, valiance and gore and blood, things like that. I mean, I did see when I was nine, but... But, you know, <laughs> I mean, but, but was it yeah. something that you were not uncomfortable with at this point? It was pretty crazy. Yeah. I, I have to admit, the, the violence kind of shocked me then, because it's pretty... Well, pretty I mean, sudden. nine, you know... Yeah. But, Probably up to that. I would say probably after that, you'd seen much more intense. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's understandable. But yeah, like I said, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. And this is definitely not something I'd want my nephews to see or a younger kid to watch, mm-hmm. right? I did want to hit on just a few, like, some production companies, mm-hmm. whatever. You kind of have to give a, a nod to, like, Dimension Films and Woods Entertainment. I think they help uh, their production companies. Dimension Films helped present it. They also did the distribution for the 1996 USA theatrical release. Uh, we talked about the special effects team in K&B. Uh, it was released on December 20th, and there was a reason why they wanted it out around that time. They wanted uh, an alternative for the horror fans, because most of the time it's family-friendly yeah, movies Yeah, and it's like, around. you know, Christmas movies, happy-go-lucky, you know, it's, that's all fine and dandy, but sometimes you don't really want that. Now, I do want to point out that the main production company was the Weinstein Company. Yes, yes, yes. Because yes. there's some very interesting They're very, stories. yeah, they're, they were heavily into that. This movie almost didn't get made for a number of reasons, some of them involving the Weinsteins. Yes, absolutely. The Weinsteins hated the mask. You're right. They thought it was, I don't know, they just didn't like it at all. They didn't, they didn't think it tested well. They actually demanded that for a lot of the scenes, they shoot four to seven different versions of the scenes wearing different, different masks, masks. Yeah, and that. choose the one that fit well. And guess which one? <laughs> guess what? They obviously responded that that is absolutely patently ridiculous. Yeah. And they're like, they? let us finish this first this first treatment <laughs> in this first 13 minutes, the Drew Barrymore sequence. Yeah. And tell us what you think then. Yeah. And they didn't bitch about it after. So. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... You know, sometimes you got to bite the bullet, and they did. And, I, you know, it was definitely worth it uh, on their end. Made some lots of money. Like I said, it released five days before Christmas. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, it, like I said, it, it kind of came in around fourth in the box office. And it, it was kind of considered a flop, right? But then because of word of mouth, it really grew. And it just increasingly it kept grew. getting money and money. Right. And it was, if I'm not mistaken, it stayed in the box office eight months after its release. That's how long hmm. it stayed in the box office. And that's... When you think of a film being eight months in the box office now, it's mm-hmm. kind of unheard of. Maybe two, three months tops that I can think of. But eight months, that's a long time to be in a, in a theater. Reason being because its budget was $14 million. Uh, opening weekend, it made uh, $6.35 million. And those almost eight months later, in July of 97, 
it grossed $130 million worldwide. (laughs) That is unreal. I think it's said and done like did 170 worldwide. I can believe it. But Chiz likes it just half a year later, Mm -hmm. you know, essentially grossed $130 million. That's unbelievable. For a film that almost didn't get made. <laughs> yeah, almost, but for a number of reasons at different times. Yeah, and it almost got a. Uh, that was almost a, a different comedy. rating. Yeah, it was almost a comedy. Almost received a, di- a different rating. It was which NC seventeen. Yeah, and they had to appeal it a number of times because cut, of that comedy cut down aspect. A lot of the gore. Yeah, and finally, like they were done cutting it. I think I, I think it was Harvey. It might, I don't know if it was. It was either Harvey or Bob. One I mean, it, those are the two, so it has to yeah. be one or the other. But, 50 odds. It was yeah, one of the two. <laughs> I think it was Harvey though. Like. Told yeah. the told the Raiders to look at it as a comedy, exactly, and then not they as a horror movie. Yeah, they dropped it down to an R. But think about this: this is, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, this is the third film in our series that we've covered that almost received that rating of NC-17. Phantasm was one of them, right? The Hills Have Eyes was the other one, mm-hmm. and uh, this film, right? They all almost received the NC-17 rating, but because uh, they were talked down or they cut certain aspects of the film down, it got an R rating and. Had it not been for that, we probably wouldn't have seen these films. So, you know, hats off to those guys. But we, like I said, I like taglines once yep. again. has There's several taglines, but the one I chose for this one is, uh, someone has taken their love of scary movies one step too far. Solving the mystery is going to be a murder. Right? So maybe it's a precursor to what we're getting ourselves into. But like I said, we gave our disclaimer. Right? He mm-hmm. said violence, gore, et cetera. And that leads into something, actually, that... I want to talk about once we get into the guts and bolts because it's a bit spoilerific. So yes. So with that being said, let's do some guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. All right. So if you're still with us, we're, we're in the guts, guts and, and bolts. bolts. Yeah. And this is once once again our 19th film, right? So we're still talking about Scream. Yeah, we're talking about Scream, and there's a couple things that kind of want to get into right off yeah, because. Yeah, yeah. It's things that seem to make sense for how does that make you squeal, but are spoilery. Yeah. It's so it's just more of the ways that like Ghostface kind of differs. Because first off, two killers. Yeah. So spoiler. It's You're not just the one spoiler person. section now. So yeah. Ghostface is two killers. But the interesting thing is if you've never seen this, you don't know who the two are. No. So we're not really giving too much way outside of the fact that expect there to be duplicitous uh, murderers. Well, and that's the neat thing, because I I feel like I don't see people bring up the fact that part part of what still manages to make this movie scary is, although it's making fun of... It's kind of making fun of Halloween, really. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, And so it's kind of making fun of one John Carpenter movie by slightly emulating another. I feel like the distrust that it builds within the characters is very close to being kind of like the thing. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Which, like I said, we talked about Carpenter, Mm -hmm. uh, which you'll see, we'll see nods to, like, a lot of different uh, film directors. So so many nods in this kind of movie. Expect that coming up, right? Um, So we already talked about Carpenter, right? And now we're talking about Craven. (laughs) You know, who's directing this film. But, man, this, like I said, just knowing this film, right? Going back and doing this film and thinking about its history, man. What a, what a, what a take, like I said, on a whole different killer in the way it's, it's set up. Because, like we said, we talked about uh, the killers. They know the format of slasher films. The killers Inside know and out. the format. And instead of us knowing who the killer is, it's a whodunit. Yeah. Who's the killer? Exactly. So it's almost like Clue in a sense. 
it's never really even postulated that it's somebody completely outside the circle. Right, right. It's always sort of, from the get-go, from the moment there's a killer, it's somebody within. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's that's quite evident, because uh, the setting is, it's almost really small-townish, right? Yeah. Uh, not very big town at Woodsboro, all. Woodsboro, right? Yeah, Woodsboro is the setting. Um, so, you know, you want to just delve in, since we yeah. talked a little bit about the... the uh, yeah, let's the do way it's it. different, yeah, man. So uh, the way it opens, like, so you just get your your production companies, etc. Goes into uh, the screen title. You hear like a scream effect, right? And then you hear a telephone ring, and it's not a cell phone. No. Um, <laughs> so that's the first big. <laughs> I was in this entire so this first sequence lasts like thirteen minutes, it is. and I realized that you can't do this scene anymore. Yeah, it's just it is what it is. This scene, you know. Nobody relies as much on their house phone. Oh, no, no, no. If you got a phone call like this today, it'd be like, hello, click, okay, bye. I, I mean, even, so uh, interesting fact, after this movie, even use of caller ID tripled. Yeah, tripled. You know, so you got to think, like I said, the time period is 1996. Uh, a lot of people weren't using cell phones, so, you know, technology was there, but not in abundance. It was super expensive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a telephone ring, even though it was like on a wireless house phone. And this is where we get Drew Barrymore, who plays Casey Becker, right? She answers the phone. Caller, like, he, you know, is like, I'm not sure if I've got the right phone number. And she's like, you know, who you? they have this back and forth dialogue of like, who, who are you trying to reach? Who am I calling? Whose number is this? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's just like a case of mistaken identity. I just identity want to talk or, to somebody. It calls back. Oh, I just want to talk to somebody. Well, they have 900 numbers for that. Yeah, you know, and it's, they're having a little play back and Keep forth. Keep calling. And they find they sort of do end up in a little almost flirty conversation. Yeah, um, he even you know asks about if she has a boyfriend, etc. Um, Which she even denies at first. Yeah, she does. Eventually, she puts on some uh, some popcorn on the stove, right? Some jiffy. And uh, interesting thing about this this scene, like to this whole entire scene, is uh, Craven said that he wanted the popcorn to be like the way that the scene. Escalates. Esca- yeah, so you start off with it being very calm, and then, you know, with popcorn, it just pop, 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 until eventually, if you don't take it off the stove, you know, you get what you get. Um, so, long story short, she puts the uh, popcorn on the stove. You know, I guess they're still all on the phone, and she mentions she's about to watch a scary movie. So, he mm-hmm. asks her a question, what's her favorite scary movie? Halloween. Halloween, right? And uh, then he asks, he's like, well, guess mine. Well, it's Halloween, which is the one about... Met the guy in the white mask, yeah, hunting yeah, she baby does. killer. I mean, you know, stalking babysitters. Exactly. But this whole opening sequence and end sequence is a play on a different horror movie. Yeah, that's a good point. Which is somebody stalking babysitters, but through the use of a phone. Uh, God, was it, was it when a stranger calls? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. And is that the one where the call's coming from inside the house? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, okay. typically, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, but um, yeah. So like I said, they are they're having like this like this little dialogue about scary movies now, right? He eventually, like I said, asks what she thinks his is, and she says, "I don't know, maybe a Nightmare on Elm Street." So she's already tipping her hand mm-hmm. to Wes Craven, right? Uh, you know, he's like, "Is that the one with the guy with the knives for fingers?" She's like, "Yeah, Freddy Krueger, right?" Mm-hmm. And then that's when he asks, "Do you have a boyfriend?" And she's like, well, no, are so you wait, asking was, me out? I can't remember. Is that the point? Is that the part where the, uh, they mention, oh, the first one was scary, but the rest of them sucked? Yeah, and he he does mention that for a reason, right? There's The dialogue's there for a reason. Wes sold the rights away to do the sequels. Yeah, so all the sequels were done, him. even though he was involved in a couple of the sequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was more just to see his shit not get fucked with as much. Oh, 
could you imagine? Rather than how you know, could have gotten. Yeah, because he's. I mean, I think he spoke out in the in the past at, at different times about yeah. not liking where the series went and this and that. And, yeah, it, you know, <clears throat> it is when you when you do that. I suppose, like I said, that's like selling a baby off in a, mm-hmm. in a sense because I mean that's something that you created and you don't know what's going to happen with it in, in different hands. You know, so but he does pay. Yeah, he mentions it. <laughs> he does. She she mentions or he mentions, you know, the fact that the sequel suck. Um, anywho, this is when he mentions, uh, you know, he's like they're asking, "What's your name?" etc. Um, oh, I want to know who I'm looking at. Yeah, and that's when the whole tone of the conversation changes, right? She's like, "All right, I'm gonna hang up," and he's like, "Don't hang up on me." And she hangs up, right? So first mistake, she hangs up on him. Calls back, voice calls back. He says, I'll gut you like a fish if you hang up on me again, right? So he's grabbing her attention. This is not friendly anymore. She starts to lock the doors all throughout the house. And mm-hmm. she's got some glass doors, etc. Pretty nice house. Eventually, he w- he tells her he wants to see what her insides look like, right? I think he asked about her boyfriend, right? And she, you know, we had mentioned that she had lied about it. And uh, anyhow, I think he entices her to go out to the patio, right? Right. And, um... She turns on the lights. I think that's where she sees her boyfriend, right? Yeah. Now, I my note was kind of with how her boyfriend looked. His name's Steve. He's mm-hmm. all phew, distraught, but there's a pretty cool way they did this. Well, yeah, he's all, like, uh, taped to a chair and shit. And yeah, he's, like, outside of a, like a little... I won't say little. He's outside of a swimming pool on, on a patio, right, on a chair. All, like, said, bound up by duct tape. He's kind of bloodied up and shit. He's got his Letterman jacket on, high mm-hmm. school kid. Job. And I immediately wrote, just because of kind of how he looked, that they need to reboot this with Channing Tatum as Steve. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> just in like five seconds of the movie. <laughs> I could see that being pulled just off. Just for this weird little cameo of him being cameo? Steve. Cameo? We already talked about Justin. Yeah. Why not Channing? <laughs> Let's see it. I'm There's down. already a Tatum in this film. That's true. There's uh, a see, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so she does. Drew Barrymore's character gets to see her boyfriend out on that patio. And now uh, the voice wants to play a game with her, right? Uh, he wants to play a game of, I think, like, trying to find out who the killer is in these films. Like, he gives mm-hmm. her a, a setup like it's going to be movie trivia, the first one to give me. Right? He asks her, who's the killer in Halloween? Michael Myers. Michael Myers. And he's like, yes! He gets, he gets excited. Mm-hmm. Right? And the next question, this time it's for real. Right? And she's not she's not happy with it, but anyhow, he asks her, "Who's the killer in uh, Friday the Thirteenth?" And she answers, "Jason Voorhees." Sorry, we skipped that first one. Sorry, because he's not the killer. No, he's not. Sorry, wrong answer. She starts. She's adamant. Fly. Yes, he is. Yes, he. I've seen that movie twenty, 20 times. times. Well, if you've seen it, then you would know that Mrs. Voorhees is the killer in the film. And Jason doesn't show up until the second film, which is not necessarily true. Yeah, he kind of shows up. He kind of shows up as his little, his kid self, Mm -hmm. but not what we know him as anyhow. Um, But he does mention that. And so there's consequences have to be paid at this point, right? Um, Steve gets fucked up. Yeah. Steve doesn't look too good, right? Lucky for her, there's a bonus round. But Steve... Yep. So the next question... He gets gutted. Yeah, he gets fucked. You know, the cool thing about this scene, and I, uh, reading about the team, right, the K&B team, um, the kid auditioned, I think, for um, the Billy Loomis part, right? I believe you're right. And, and he kind of uh, got this as a consolation prize. Yeah, and so as a consolation, as a part of the team that did the special effects we talked about, the way they did the scene is they, they had a um, 
a chair with no back, right? So the actor who played this part, he um, he knelt down so you could only see his torso, right? His upper torso being his stomach all the way up to his head. Um, you could see that part, but then they used prosthetic legs, mm. and then they had like a body torso to give him that effect when they were gutting him. So you're actually seeing some special effects, really good special effects with the yeah, body yeah. there. Oh man, this yeah. is bloody and coming up very soon. You're gonna see I some mean, really, really nice touch. We already mentioned Drew Barrymore dies. Yeah, and this is the spoilers. Drew Barrymore dies here coming up. Yeah, another so, interesting uh, thing as the scene goes on, like obviously she's breaking down and crying and shit. Yeah, Wes Craven managed to keep her crying on set. Yeah, by telling her some fucked up shit. <laughs> by telling her stories about animal cruelty. Yeah, because Drew she's Barrymore is a She's big into animal rights, you know? Yeah. yeah, she's an animal lover. But, you know, to get, I guess to get her into, like I said, to character, he had to tell her some fucked up shit. And yeah. It, it worked, you know? I mean, yeah. it's unfortunate, but, you know, sometimes method acting and, you know, you got you to gotta get the pipes going somehow. Yeah. I... Uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's messed up, but, it, you know, it made him $130 million. I do think so. Uh... But, she, you know, but she wanted the part. After she sees the guts, Steve, and she's starting to break down, I do think this is the first hint that it's two killers upon re-listening twice. Yes, if you do listen to it, yeah. Now, it sounds like the the exact thing that the voice says is, we're not finished yet. Yeah. And it sounds, obviously, it could mean the voice and Drew aren't finished yet. We're not finished yet also means we are not finished asking you questions yet. You know, the interesting thing about this, if you don't really think about it per se, the caller, the voice, like I said, could be almost like a a host of a show or a host of a game show as mm-hmm. the killer is acting out the parts. So how do we know that for, you know, for a fact, right? Anyhow, as she sees, like I said, Steve, her boyfriend getting gutted, the next question is, what door am I at? <laughs> right. Eventually, uh, a chair comes smashing through the, one of the, the glass door windows. It spooks the shit out of her. She goes in the kitchen, grabs a knife. Right. She goes outside. She's hiding. Uh, you can. She starts seeing like the the killer wearing mm-hmm. the costume that we're familiar with, pacing in. I guess in the kitchen, right? Yeah. I think she starts to see a car go down the road at this yeah, point. It's, it's her parents getting home. She's getting excited, but yeah. she gets attacked before she can really do anything about. Yeah. It. So. Uh, like I said, she sees this, the killer. She sees the car. I put go- uh, Ghostface. Uh, he kill. Well, he doesn't really kill. But uh, he- they get into like a wrestling match because she's starting mm-hmm. to run. Right. He winds up tackling her, and he gets a nice shot. And what I mean by shot, by a knife shot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the, the big thing, like she gets a shot, uh, she ends up getting stabbed the shit out of it. Eventually, yeah. the big thing to take away from it, I think, the coolest, neatest thing is there's a point where she gets her throat slit. And she turns the corner and tries to yell to help to her oh, parents. And yeah, just you know, no sound comes out. I'll put it this way. In that scene, what it reminds me of a bit, if you're familiar with it, is kind of like Last House on the Left, right? Mm. Where that girl is so close to her house and being rescued because it was right near her parents. And Same thing with Drew Barrymore's character being that close to her parents because her parents are getting out of the car. They're walking toward the front of the door. And like I said, she got, I guess she got her voice box or larynx, something cut out. You're stabbed. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he gets her from behind and... Just can't get it. Oh, man, that close, right? And the parents notice that the house is kind of in dis- disarray and they can't find her. Well, and they, they pick up the phone and she they can yeah, hear her. The mom calls for help. Like, they're calling 911. Here's something interesting, too. Uh, right after that, I'll mention that, but... I think I know what you're going to yeah. mention. 
as the mom is trying to dial nine one one. One of the first huge references, I think. Yeah, one of the major references. But yeah, like I said, as the mom is calling for help, the receiver or the other phone, the cordless phone that Drew Barrymore had initially, is still still on, right? It's, and she's still holding it, and she can hear her, her mom can hear her get struggling, right? Because we see her getting dragged off. And eventually she gets dragged out of range and it cuts off. Yeah, it does. Eventually, yeah, the phone cuts out and they know something is not right, right? Um, so this is where Dad, I think he mentions to the mom to drive down to the McKenzie's, right? Which is a huge reference because this is what Lori tells little Tommy Doyle and that other little girl <laughs> in Halloween. Halloween. So Jamie Lee Curtis's character tells the kids in the film to go down to the McKenzie's for help, mm-hmm. right? Eventually, the parents go outside, and when they go outside the front door, I think it's the dad initially sees it, right? No, mom. Oh, is it mom's? Okay, mom, because okay. mom's heading outside. Oh yeah, 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 That's and right. And as she's heading out, she stops and looks. Oh damn! Yeah, because then dad starts right to after. scream because Drew is Holy strung up from a tree shit. and gutted, and it's gutted, fucked up. You know, and that that is such a uh, it, that is a graphic scene, right? We were talking about if you're not, and it's I not, forgot it, that it was that graphic. The the interesting thing though is like I said it's it doesn't last very long but the impression lasts a lot longer than the image mm-hmm. is portrayed right um, so it has that lasting effect but it's a gruesome scene because they like said they see their daughter strung up and that was a really quick string up too yeah a, you know yeah it really was and the time was, so knowing it's two people yeah it's a good point too uh, but initially we we don't necessarily know that per no, se no right if this is your first time through yeah no. sorry but uh, go ahead and watch we this film and then catch up with us god damn it yeah watch this film and catch this up with us this is a spoiler section it's two people two people uh, <laughs> like so I was talking about Odes and we already mentioned 1960 with Psycho right talking about Jamie Lee Curtis and if I'm not mistaken I believe her mom was the the woman in the shower scene in Psycho mm-hmm. who gets killed Right, famous actress, stage actress, etc. But that was the first time they ever had a main actress be killed off <laughs> within the first fifteen minutes of a film, right? And Drew Barrymore, boom! People know who Drew Barrymore or should know who Drew Barrymore. At the time, is. she would have been. Th- I mean, everybody. This movie was also different from a lot of the slashers before yeah. it, in which a lot of them were cast with no name. People. Exactly. Exactly. These people all had careers going yes. into it. You're familiar but with the pop culture, I would imagine. Drew Barrymore would have been the biggest. Oh, in, in terms of, yeah, credits? Yes. Without a doubt. 100%. And I would agree. Now she's dead. 12 minutes in, right? Yeah, 13, I think. 12, 13 minutes in, yeah. yeah. Um, boom, she's gone. So we get our first two killings, right? Then this is where we cut into our main characters, per se. Nev Campbell's at the PC. Yep. She's, oh God, what's her name? I just kept writing her as Nev Campbell. Uh, Sydney. Sydney. Sydney Prescott Sid is what I just wrote down shortly. I guess I wrote Sid a couple times. Now yeah, but uh, Skeet Ulrich, played by Billy, he sneaks up to her room. I guess she's upstairs kind of like getting ready for bed. I definitely wrote Billy and not Skeet. Oh, I didn't, skeet, Skeet. I didn't Skeet all over No, my I didn't notes. write down Skeet. I, uh, I put down Billy because there's a family member in my family mm-hmm. named Billy. I think a few times I even wrote Loomis. No, that's cool. I'm glad you wrote down Loomis. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. I immediately wrote that he looked like Johnny Depp. He does, man. And... Knowing the fact that they were trying to get him to look like a young Johnny Depp, because mm-hmm. Johnny at the time when he played in The Nightmare on Elm Street couldn't have been, what, maybe 19, 20? I don't even know if he was that old. Now, I realize upon rewatching that this next part... Okay, first off, he's kind of a dickwad. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, but that 
what happens first is her dad comes in. Yeah. And this is actually really She wants really up screaming important. when he comes in, right? So Billy? this is the spoilers. Yeah. And this is really important because I realized You have that to pay attention. He's one of the killers. This is how he knows when the dad's leaving. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when because you go back he and was this. in the room when they were talking about it. Yeah, about what her dad. All right, so like I said, Billy sneaks in. Right, he comes in through her through her uh, through her window. Right, through her bedroom window as she's getting ready for bed. It scares her. She screams. Her dad comes in, like you were saying. Billy sneaks next to her bed. Right, mm-hmm. she answers the door, but she kind of wedges the door. She has a closet door. She swings and it wedges. Dad's like, you know, blah blah blah. I heard some screams. Long story short, he's telling her that. Um, that he's going on a trip, right? And yeah, he's, he's going to be gone for the weekend. Yeah, and so he's giving her some details about, I guess, where he's staying at the Hilton. Right? Hilton by the airport. Yep. I'm not sure if he gives her a phone number or anything. I think it was written on something. Possibly. Know. But the long story short, it's just, you know, he's catching up to speed that he's going to take a weekend trip. Has money on the counter. Yeah, he has money, etc. I wrote down Exorcist was on. Uh, I well, think that's what it was, was Billy's That's what saying? he was watching that reminded. Yeah, yeah that's what he says. Because yeah. it was the TV edit version. And he continues oh, to use. That's why. He's using these references. He's using yeah. film editing to that's reference funny. their the, relationship. Their sex life and the fact <laughs> that it went from rated R to yep. PG uh, 13 TV edit for the last yeah. two years. It's funny, you're right. And she mentions that her fucking mom's dead, and he's just kind of being a pressuring creep. Yeah, no, it, it is funny, because I was like, hold on, yeah, you're right. He's like, yeah, I uh, was watching The Exorcist, reminded me of you. She's like, oh, how Yeah, because it was a TV edit. <laughs> it is funny. Anyway, she, she eventually agrees to do some on top stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, I also thought it was fitting, knowing yeah. that he's one of the killers. Yeah. The song that's playing in the background. B.O.C., but it's like you're the reaper yeah but it's a cover it is uh, a cover gus black i believe i think you're right but it's cool because that's in halloween right but as the two girls are getting ready to the babysit reaper, and yeah. she's embracing one of the killers the reaper one of the reapers right that's that's interesting when you think of how he plays that in these odes and what he's portraying yeah mm-hmm. so yeah like they're making out and they starting to get a little too heavy and she's like all right that's enough and she, they're kind of like you know Saying their goodbyes, and she's like, uh, she's like, you want to, you want to change it to like PG thirteen, and then she says, and he's like, and how's that? Him. Yeah, so he's like, you're a tease. You don't see anything. There's no, there's <laughs> no. no you don't see her, but, but it's implied that she's flashing her breast at uh-huh. at Skeet. <laughs> then it's at school the next day, and this is your first small <laughs> glimpse of Linda Blair. Yeah, this is interesting one, because, because there's all sorts of journos. there's a lot of TV reporters, and there's police at the high school, right? I guess it's con- concerning. Um, uh, Casey Becker played like said uh, uh, Drew Barrymore and her boyfriend Steve. They got murdered from the night before, right? This is the first time we see Rose McGowan. Uh, she plays Tatum in the film, right? Yeah, and she's sort of catching Nev up on on the murders on the murders. And I thought it was really interesting that her specific description was that they were splatter movie killers. I did. I put like splatter movie style, mm-hmm. right? No, it's pretty cool. And uh, I thought a specific reference to splatter movies was pretty neat. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like I said, we're doing a take on a little bit of both, right, with slasher and splatter. Mm -hmm. I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand. So eventually, Sid, like I said, Nev Campbell, she gets called into the principal's office. Um, I think this is like uh, when she's in the, the, like in the, uh, I think she's in the classroom, right? Yeah, and she keeps looking over to the. It the kind of makes me remind me a little bit of Halloween when, like, when uh, I was Jamie I was Lee Curtis was looking out the, the window, thing. or even with um, with uh, with Heather uh, Blankenkamp playing Nancy in, um, like and and drifting off a little. Yeah, bit. in that scene, so it's, it's kind of maybe a little nod to both of those. But anyhow, long story short, she gets called into the uh, principal's office. That's where you get Sheriff Burke for the first time. Yeah, you get Sheriff Burke. You get Deputy Dewey. <laughs> oh my God. 
I love Dude, that. Dude, I like David Arquette. I he gets too. shit on a bit sometimes, but he sometimes he gives it to himself because he is kind of he lets people do that because yeah. he's you know he's a good guy and he he kind of takes the punches sometimes a little too much. Honestly, like I like him in Ravenous, but yeah. if you got rid of his part, it would probably be a better movie. Yeah, I mean it is David Arquette. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to get your best dramatic portrayal in a, in a film, which comes right. off in this film too. But I love him in this movie. He he's Dewey good, man. Is he's funny. Great. Dewey is an amazing character. He has some good scenes, and there's he was so well. He was supposed to die. Yeah, and uh, and he's, he's so well liked that they kept him alive. Uh, Dewey lives. Dewey lives. Spoiler. Spoiler. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. And the Fonz. Henry yeah, Winkler. and we see Henry Winkler, who plays Principal Hembry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know, if you don't know the names, just it's the Fonz, right? Long I didn't even short, write what they asked her. I just said that they questioned her, and then it immediately went to the, all the kids discussing getting questioned at lunch. Yeah, that's all it is. Eventually, you start seeing more of your main characters, right? More of the people we had talked about oh, earlier. The, this is where they first... Oh, I remember. The, the, the big thing was when she was being brought in and stuff was this is when you first started getting hints that she was connected to something in the yeah, past. Yeah, exactly. There, why else would they call her into the office, right? And they keep it's like saying like half sentences and you're getting yeah. little bits and pieces. I mean... She, somehow she's tied into these murders for whatever reasons, right? Not these murders, but she's but no, tied no. into murders that happened. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Good point. And that's all. That's what the main thing of the discussion when was. She gets that's why they were yeah. first hinting at that shit. Yeah, because they all mentioned the kids, like, "Oh, it's your turn" or something shit mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. All the kids start discussing this shit at lunch. Yeah, they're at this uh, water fountain, right? And all that the nice. guys had gotten asked if they were if they hunt. Yeah. Exactly. And then Rose McGowan's like, "Oh, that's sexist." And they yeah, have a it turns into a, a quote-unquote PC conversation for. Rose. And this is where you start getting... So, Jamie Kennedy, first you start getting him <laughs> being pretty funny, honestly. Yeah, he is. Uh, but he's also the first one to start throwing accusations that one of them are the killer. He's very keen. Super keen. And they're all very obviously pop culture savvy. You know, it's interesting because she... Then she initially asked, like, Nev Campbell, she's like, how how can somebody gut somebody or something like that? Like, how can someone get gutted? And that's another thing. So... <laughs> Looking back on it, the way these two interact in this scene... You're like, damn, they're kind of bragging in a sense. So the other killer is Matthew Lillard. Yeah, so Lillard, he mentions... He's this like, is, oh... This is the only movie in the series yeah. where the two... Because I think every movie, Man. it's been two. I think, you know, that's is, a good point. Is it been two? I know the first two for sure it's been two. Don't quote me, but I'm not sure, man. Be honest. I have to go back and watch it. But this is the only one where the two were previously accused at some point in the movie. Yeah, that's a good point. In all the other movies, the killers were never accused at some point. Yeah. This is the only one where they were accused at some point. That's a good point. But they, like... Matthew Lillard starts explaining how to yeah. gut somebody. And he, what does he tell her? He's like, well, you start from the groin, and you all wait to the sternum, and then the guts come out. And and, and Billy, fucking Skeet. Yeah, Skeet. Uh, he's like, just, well, it I sounds just, like he's saying a little tact. tact. Yeah, he says tact, you fuck rag. But I think he's admonishing him for fucking telling him that. Well, yeah, because he's like, don't tell him that shit. Fucking put it together, you dickwad. Yeah, so here's funny, because this is when Randy starts to question Stu about his connection to Drew Barrymore, because didn't they date briefly? 
Well, I was going to say, yeah, Jamie Kennedy starts throwing it at them, and like, the accusations sort of start getting thrown all around at that point. Oh, yeah. They're all throwing it back and forth at each other, including... He said, dude, the police know about your connection to me? <laughs> like, he's well, like, we I mean, dated for like a minute. She's like, you dated her before me? It, it seems like they do a good job of at least accusing each other a little bit. Yeah, they too, do. They have a back and forth, of. right? Uh, but eventually he tells Jamie that he was with Tatum all night, right? So mm-hmm. that's his alibi. So what was your alibi, Randy? Well, I was at the video store. Right, so that's what like so they have a little back and forth. Interesting though, because it's a very witty conversation. That's what, I think where you start to see their dynamic in the film too. Why they were probably cast because mm-hmm. they were witty. These guys. Oh man, I enjoy those guys. Yeah. Uh, then we get Sid's Nev- getting off the bus, right? Yeah. Nev. Sid's getting off the bus. She gets home. She's home. Uh, she she's, gets a phone she's call. She's kind of shook Tatum. up, and she calls, and Tatum's going to be coming over. Yeah. Nev ends up taking a nap. Uh, Tatum should have called about an hour previously to what yeah, she actually she calls, does. She, she tells her that she's going to call like around seven or pick up around seven. It's like seven, or she'll she be drifts, there by seven. Yeah, I think, she drifts. She calls her at seven fifteen. Yeah, she drifts off, and yeah, uh, being Nev, she drifts off, takes a nap. When she calls back, that's when or Tatum a, calls back. They make that nap seem like it takes a really long time. Yeah, no, right? If you watch like the time, it's hours. an hour and a half nap. Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty good nap. I mean it's a good nap, me, but it's but, not yeah. what they. But no, not as they portray it. Like, oh man, no, it's you know, a sunset. <laughs> but uh, long story short, the whole point was that Tatum, Rose McGowan's character, she was running late from like cheerleading practice or some Whatever, shit. Something. She's yeah. on her way. As soon as she's done, she gets another call. Yeah, she mentions like like saying that this is deja vu all over again at some point, right? Mm-hmm. I think one because like does she turn on the news? And, like, all these TV stations are reporting on the murder. And then she finally gets to the report where it's Gail Weathers, mm-hmm. and they're bringing up Sid's mom's murder because of Cotton Weary. We talked about Leif Shriver. Yeah. So that's the first, that's really, like, the only time you ever get to see him, I think. Yeah, it's a couple, little, couple seconds of footage, and that's yeah. it. And that's, it's weird because they do give him, I mean, he's a big actor, don't yeah. get me wrong. But it's, and I was like. a good actor. He's a damn good actor, dude. But, yeah, I like to say, that's, it's like, damn, that was it, Leap. Yeah, and she ends up getting another phone call, yep. and it's the voice. Yep. Uh, oh, you know, you know, it's funny. Hold on, let me. I, I'd like okay. to mention this. <laughs> I might be jumping too far ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's You're... only certain things I took notes on. And... Yeah, the reason I wrote this down because it is pretty funny, and it's just a small section right before she does get that call because she does get a call back when she's talking to Tatum. Right, Tatum mentions because she's running late. She's like, "Well, I'll just on the way." I'll go to the video store and I'll rent all the right moves with Tom Cruise. She's oh, like, if, if you, you pause, pause it, it just right, right, you get to see his penis. <laughs> I was like, I wrote that down because that was fucking funny. Uh, and this is when, you know, they hang up. And then that's when Sid gets the call back and it's the voice this time. And she thinks it's Randy, right? She's like, oh, nice try, Randy. Mm-hmm. She's like, I do think it's, think it's sexy what you're doing with your voice. And yeah. she's sort of playing with she's a little bit. With him. But he, he asked for a favorite keeps... movie, doesn't he? Yeah, something. Yeah, uh, he, he asks, he's like, what's, what's your favorite movie? He's like, well, like horror movies? And uh, she eventually, she tells him that she thinks they're all the same, right? She's mm-hmm. like, it's just about some big breast of the girl. She'd be going running out the, the front. stairs when she should be running out the front yeah, door. Yeah, it's like, she's like, it's insulting. It's like, it's so obvious it's insulting. And the whole time, like, uh, it starts to get played out a little bit, right? But eventually, <laughs> like, he starts getting creepy about it. Yeah, he tells her that he's and- on the patio, and she goes out to try to call the bluff. She, she calls us, but she's like, all right, I'll call your bluff. She, she does. She goes outside. Going as far as picking her nose. Yeah. And yeah, because she'd eventually tell her. And as, as she seems to be sort of shaking it off as a joke, if you hang up on me, I'll kill, you'll die like your mother or something yeah, like that. Yeah, if she hangs up, right? Cause mm-hmm. Then she goes back inside because 
maybe the voice is tired of playing her little game, right? She gets fucking attacked. Yeah. As she goes back inside, Ghostface comes out of the closet, right, and attacks Sid. Here's the funny part, because she locked the front door when she was talking about being assaulted, about going out the front door, and it's so obvious. Well, what does she do? She runs right upstairs. Yep. <laughs> she goes to the front door and is locked, and she runs right upstairs. Right upstairs. Damn. Uh, the other thing. Here's something wanna... cool, though. You don't ever see this, hardly. Okay. When she does run upstairs, right? She doesn't she wedge herself in because she has that little closet door that swings open, wedges the door. She makes a, a distress call. Um, oh right on a computer on the computer yeah and it says what's your emergency i'm like hold on when's the last time you've seen that in a movie or ever (laughs) right so she had a she's really good i think throughout this movie trying to find ways to get messages to the outside yeah she was tech savvy even back in 1996 now i do want to point out since we have ghost face attacking there's only one scene where Ghostface is actually played by one of the actors that's killer, and it's not this one. Yeah. Uh, but every time you see Ghostface, it's a stuntman, except for one scene. There is a scene with Wes. And there is a scene with Wes. And it was early on. We it was, we, we, already, we already passed it. Yeah. Uh, but it's when... Cool. It's like when he... When does he come like through the window? Yeah, when when he comes through and the window... And she hits win- him with the fucking... With the cell phone? He, or not the cell phone. <laughs> he headbutts through the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she fucking wails with the, the house that phone. That house phone, yeah, that cordless phone. It's Wes. It is Wes. And he actually got punched. Yeah. So, hats off to Wes, right? Way to go, Wes. He took that's not his only cameo. Oh, no, we'll no, no. It's pretty too. cool. He does play another cameo. No, you know, you're right. Like I said, all those stuntmen playing. Um, but as that scene, like after she gets that distress message into the computer, somebody comes up the window again. Well, as soon as she gets the message out, Ghostface bugs out. Yeah, he's as soon gone. as he bugs out, Billy comes in. Billy comes in. Right? And she's still freaked out being Nev Campbell. She's freaked out because she had all this shit happen with the Ghostface. He's face. trying to comfort her, but yeah. then cell phone drops out of his pocket. Yeah, and he, like, trying to give her an embrace, and then the mm-hmm. cell phone drops out, and then she looks down. It's like, uh-oh. She freaks out, runs downstairs, opens up the front door. And guess who's out there? You see the Ghostface ghost face killer mask. It's Deputy Dewey. It's Dewey, and he's all spooked out. He's like, ah! And Billy gets arrested. Yeah, eventually Billy gets accosted, or, you know, accosted. He goes, uh, I guess they put him in the back of one, like one of the squad cars. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole time, she's being attended to by some paramedics in, a, in an ambulance. Tatum shows up. Finally. Yeah, she finally shows up. And uh, she tells him, like, you know, she's going to spend the night. And Dewey's all like, you know, do mom and dad know? <laughs> right? She's like, duh, Dewey. I'm the man of the law. They get yeah. Whatever they get out does. of there and they get back to the police station. Well, here's um. Oh, is this when Gail? Yeah, Gail shows up for a minute. Yeah, she arrives at the scene. She was quick. Yeah, this doesn't. Uh, that's when Tatum kind of buggers her off. Yeah, Tatum sort of runs her off a little bit. Yeah, and then uh, Sid eventually winds up at the police station with Dewey trying to contact her dad. Right, being that. And that's the big takeaway from this scene is that her dad's also missing he, and that they have no problem giving Dewey check a lot in. of shit. He didn't check in at the hotel and they can't reach him at the number that he left, right? Was that the hotel? Yep. Um, so, whew, what the fuck is going So, question, uh, this is where you have a cutscene of the sheriff that we talked about. Isn't it Sheriff Burke? Um, mm-hmm. He starts to question Billy because Billy's with his dad at this point about, you know, what was going on with him. Eventually, he's talking about the cell phone. Like, they want to know about the cell phone and the phone calls. The whole point of that conversation is, well, they're going to hold them until the phone records come in. 
Yep. And right. he's like, whatever, no problem. Yeah, whatever. I didn't make those phone calls. Finally, it's like, all right, time to get the gals out of here. Yeah. Uh, they give Dewey some shit. Well, let's get him out the back because it's fucking crazy out there. Yeah, I think that's when he tells him that he's the man of law when he wears the badge. And, mm-hmm. and like, even his, his uh, the police station people in there, they give him shit the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, they go out the back entrance. That's where Gail's at. She's actually at the police station with the rest of the reporters. And then she makes mention to the camera guy. She's like, isn't there a back entrance to this place? She winds up seeing Sid and Dewey and Tatum, and she confronts them. And Sid's okay. She wants, she's like, all right. She how's goes over. Yeah, how's the book going, right? Yeah, later this year. Yeah. I'll look for it. Send you a copy. Oh, when she says that. She sets off Neb. Neb has a mean right Cash hook. Cash me outside. How, how about, about that? How about that? <laughs> I'll send you a copy of this right hook. <laughs> how about that? She does. She lays her out, right? But I'll give I'll give Courtney Cox credit. She took it. Yeah. Because she didn't get KO'd. She just took it. Like, she couldn't believe, this bitch going to hit me? But anyway, it, it she, she took a jaw shot, right? And here's a scene that I wanted to mention, right? This is like right after... That, that right hook scene. Yeah, they get out of there, and then it cuts The girls to are the back girls. in um, in Rose McGowan's bedroom, right? And the whole time that this is going on, Rose McGowan, played by, you know, she plays Tatum, she says, she, this is what she says, she's, she's kind of like mocking, pantomiming that whole scene that just took place. She goes, I'll send you a copy. Bam, bitch went down. <laughs> right? And then she says, she's like, I'll send you a copy. Bam. She's like, what she says? She says, Sydney's a badass bitch. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, God, I love that. Well, here's something I want to mention about that. When this movie came out, and especially when you can start running on VHS, uh, my older sister, she she and I would watch that scene, I don't know how many times, just because of that whole, you know, bam, bitch went down. <laughs> bam. <laughs> it's funny because that's how things happened back in those days. Yeah. Uh, like, it's just a little funny story. The whole time... Like I said, she's, she's doing that. Eventually, um, Nev, she asks Rose, she's like, uh, do you think Billy is going to be pissed at me for doing this? Or do you think he did this, right? Mm-hmm. And just as that happens, uh, Dewey's mom comes in the room and says there's a phone call for Sid. It's like, oh, whatever, told her she's got, oh, I'll take it. She takes it. Guess who's on the line this time when she answers? The voice. It's the voice. It's not Billy. No, it's it says... Billy. There's two of them. So here's the thing, yeah, the voice says, no, it's, Billy's innocent, right? She, and then, doesn't he start to question, you like, know, how many more people are innocent? Yeah, you'll you'll finger the wrong person again, or something like that. Yeah, and how many more innocent people have you got locked up, right? It makes, a you know, alludes to that fact. Then it's morning. It's the next morning, there's a TV report on about Sid's mom and Cotton Weary, so we get to see So if you pay attention, again, it basically right? fills in the rest of the pertinent details. Yeah, so what... Sid's mom a year ago... Got murdered. Raped, raped and murdered, murdered. Right. Leave Shriver's character, Cotton Weary, is the accused rapist and murderer, right? And was fingered by... By, by Sidney. Sid for it, and according yeah. to what Ghostface just said, maybe he's innocent. Maybe he's innocent, huh, right? And Courtney Cox is writing a book about it all because she doesn't believe for reasons not completely known yet. Yeah, but there, that's the thing. She doesn't believe. She, it. Do, she, she thinks does. Cotton's she, innocent. she has reasons, right? And we'll we'll, we'll get. We're to getting those. to that decently yeah, yeah, soon. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Anyhow, like after that little scene and whatnot, uh, we get a scene of the phone records show up, and we find out that Billy didn't make those phone calls. Right? They get it from the phone company. This is where I think Dewey drops off the girls. 
right? Yeah, that's cool. Here's where you get and to see... And this is where Linda Blair... How does it feel to be almost brutally butchered? Yeah. She people deserve to know. She gets uncredited role, but she does. She comes in really quick, and Dewey kind of backs her off. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, there she is. There's Linda. Uh, this is cool, man. And that's the thing, because this is right. Then Sydney sees Gail, and she goes up and she confronts her. Yeah, she asks her about the book. And this is where Gail starts to question Sid about Cotton's innocence, right? Because she makes mention of, like, the blood... I think maybe on the jacket. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they're alluding to. Yeah, the, the things... Maybe... Cotton's story hasn't changed. Things don't yeah. quite add up. It would make more sense if Nev would, uh, you know, be... Just allow for the fact that maybe her mom was sleeping around. Yeah, her mom may have been promiscuous, right? Who if knows? she would allow herself to consider that, then maybe yeah. she could see... Her narrow-sightedness? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. So right after she has that conversation with Gail, we go back into the school, right? I think this is where she asked Tatum if, uh, and because I think Stu's with them too, right? At the lock, like at a locker, right? Yeah. Back the honestly, school. I kind of zoned out most of this. Uh, the only thing that really happened with this scene, right, is just this is where she asked Tatum. He's like, "Well, is Billy pissed off?" He's like, "Well, his girlfriend did accuse him." Yeah, yada yada. And then they go into there's the There's like these, these, there's two kids. No, there's like this, uh, well, there's this one kid that runs down the hallway. Off, I zoned off all the way into the bathroom. This is where you kind of see the whole, uh, like I the mocking. I this movie and I still zoned nah. off all the way into the bathroom. The, the, the biggest takeaway from this scene, like I said, you get to see a real quick glimpse of a kid running down the hallway with, with a the costume on, right? Mm. Freaks her out. She goes running down the hallway. She bumps into Billy, right? Bell rings to class. Everybody scatters. This is when I notice, it's like, hold on. This thing got super quiet because it was chaotic in the hallway just a second ago. They have a little back and forth. He didn't do it. Blah, blah, blah. She doesn't know. Whatever. They just have a moment. Like I said, it's nothing major. It's just a Sid. Mm -hmm. Just another Sid and Billy moment. (laughs) Well, and then she ends up in the bathroom and she overhears some girls talking shit. Yep. And saying, oh, maybe she's lying. I know what happened. I know what happened in that dialogue. This is kind of fucked up what he says to her. I'm sorry. It's yeah, see, I'm up. sorry. Like, like I said, I missed some of this. <laughs> no, it is, it is kind of fucked up. He, the whole part of that scene, he's like, you know, you need to kind of get over your mom's death. Oh, that's that scene. Yeah. Oh shit. Starts, okay, so that one sticks out in my memory yeah. because of how big so of a when dickwad he's. He being. eventually does. He says, you know, he, I think he's kind of equating what happens to him. He's like, you know, you should get over your mom's death. You've been lingering on that too long. It's affecting your it's relationship. Like when my mom left because she freaks out whenever he touches her. Mm-hmm. That's kind of. Uh, and he starts to compare it to his parents split up. He's like, we well, you know when my parents split up, um, it didn't affect me the way that you're. It's affecting you. I didn't linger on it. I just got over it. I let it go. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, but so. and it's but it's not even just about it's letting kind of go. Like up the way he says it to her. Like she might be recoiling at his very touch. Yeah. But he is very much about the sex aspect. Oh of yeah. It. He's and he's pre- making he's no bones it. about it. Like well, maybe he is. Like maybe if he was, <laughs> maybe. He's still going about it the wrong yeah, way. No, 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 no. But maybe if he was just mentioning, like, can I at least just, like, like pat your shoulder? Yeah, I know. Like, right? that would be different. Not much different, because he's still being a dick. Yeah, no. Believe me, he... I'm not trying to defend this cat one bit. No, no, no. no but he, that's not where he's at at all. No. Well, there's a reason why he's at mm-hmm. where he's at. So, yeah, that's why she storms off to the bathroom. And when she does storm off to the bathroom, there's another fucked up scene that happens, right? Girls talking shit. Yeah, you hear, Should've like, these... Hit. Yeah, like... She she starts one of the girls starts to accuse Sid of playing the victim card and maybe she's the one who did it. She is crazy, after all, because of her mom. And this is where you kind of find out more of the deets on the mom. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. about mom sleeping around and being a whore, and maybe she's a whore. She wants attention. That, that girl's kind of blasting her, right? Yeah. Like, God damn. And then, like, the girls leave, and Sid comes out and gets fake attacked by Ghostface. Yeah, it's weird. Like, after those they girls They never make that clear. She's she's uh, insistent afterwards. Ghostface lo- comes out of one of the stalls. Well, you know what happened a little bit before that, too? I mean, so real quick, that uh, Henry Winkler, actually, he... Suspend like he expels those two kids because oh, right. of the hallway scene. Because that of the hallway big. scene. But yeah, that's when it cues back to the Nev Campbell. Sorry about that. But uh, but yeah. Anywho, it is weird. Like those girls go out. Ghost filler shows up. Well, she hears like whispers first. Nev Campbell because she comes out. Mm-hmm. She's like she says something like a coward or she like I don't know. She's kind of down on herself for that whole scene, and mm-hmm. then she starts to hear right and coming from a stall come down yeah and then the robe drops and then it comes out of that stall and it goes to attack her and this is kind of <laughs> this is kind of funny she gets away by doing like a slide past mm-hmm. them right miss tackle she opens the door she runs out and then she like run by a teacher or a student or some shit when she comes out of the, the bathroom yeah. and i'm like what the fuck was that all about she didn't say anything she just runs off she just runs panic. off and he doesn't follow no he doesn't and she's a, in the very next scene. She's insistent with Tatum that it was really Ghostface. Tatum's insistent that it was just somebody else pulling a fucking prank. Yeah, but the, it's, the, it's the, weird, man. But the fallout is school's canceled. Yeah. So, like, so that after you get that, Gail, I think Gail's outside with Dewey, right? Because and she's flirting as she's much information as she can out of him. Yeah, she's flirting heavy, but there's a reason she's flirting with him. Like it, there's a there's a funny thing that happens out here in a second. Um she mentions something like um she's like my demographic is is boys 12 through 24. He's like, "Well, I'm 25." Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, I just missed you though." Yeah, he's just dude, missed he's you. He's smooth, dude, at the end of that. Yeah, that was, there, that's there's there's great. A, there's he's something like, he says to her I thought was really funny. It's it's totally David Arquette-ish. That's yeah. That's when principal he the PA comes on. He's canceling classes. Curfew set at nine p.m. Right? Oh yeah. And this is where I think that's it. Stu comes up and he's with Tatum and and uh, Sid, and uh, they talk about uh, serial killers. Like how many serial like how many kills have happened? They're like well, you're gonna need a few more for that status to mm-hmm. be serial killer. I think that's what Dewey says, kind of jokingly yeah. to Gail. And he, this is when he tells her he's like, you know what? You're a lot prettier in person. Right, and uh, he's and this is when he starts to go up the steps. He's like, you know, I was twenty four for a whole year. Yeah, twenty five. <laughs> I was twenty four for a whole year. <laughs> that shit that was funny. I was like, holy, that's totally David Arquette, right? But yeah, this is where Stu catches up with Tatum and Sid. They're kind of talking about you know the fact that school is canceled. He doesn't know what Sid said, right? So I don't know what he said, Sid, but thank you. Everybody thanks you. Mm-hmm. Right, and they eventually agree to have a little get together at Stu's, right? A little party, a little get together at his house, um, and the girls agree. All right, and then he's like, "Well, as long as you get some snacks," and he does the whole woozoo, mm, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, then this is where you get a shot of uh, Henry Winkler, right, trying on the mask. Now, this was added later. Oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Uh, when they were going through mm-hmm. and sort of reviewing, and I think like the editing and like the. Lots of movies have reshoots. Just like fucking around. I don't know, but I, I feel like there's a lot of times where like people get kind of like weirded out, like if a movie's having reshoots, and a lot of movies have more reshoots than people think. I think. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I believe this is the scene where it was noticed that there was like 30 pages of the script where nobody got killed. Oh wow! 
And they I think a filler? I think Bob had a problem with that. Oh, okay. And so they added this in. I'm not. Sh- I don't think this was done during the reshoots. I think this was just added in later in the script, like so right before, because uh, then they agreed that him dying would give reason for the kids later on to leave the party. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. It's kind of a. So uh, they wanted an action beat, yeah. and then they also wanted. It makes sense too, because I think even when they talk about that um, that whole scene where he's canceling the classes, this the whole reason why is because after. Sid was running out out of the bathroom when mm-hmm. you know Ghostface Killer came after her. There was a whole scene that Ghost got edited. Killer. Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole, uh, there's a whole scene where they they edited out where she actually runs into his office, principal's office, and tells her about the encounter she just had. Oh, so that's okay. why he cancels classes and puts it on shutdown. Like there's too many incidents going on. Mm-hmm. So it's, like I said, here's another one that kind of like you said it might have been added in or whatnot. You see him put, trying on the mask. Yep. And then he starts hearing shit, and he's starting to get kind of freaked out. Yeah, he gets a knock on the door, right? He goes out to check on it, out in the hallway, nobody. Right, well, he goes back in. No, he, he goes checks in. the hallway. Oh, and yeah. He little shits. Oh, out there. yeah, yeah, yeah. We have our uh, second Wes Craven cameo. Yep. As Fred, That is funny. Yes, I should have mentioned. I'm sorry. The janitor yep. mopping up. The hallway, yeah, where it's funny. if he's we remember wearing... the blood trail down the hallway. Yeah. It, no, you're absolutely right, because when he says it, he's like, was it the second time when it gets knocked? He's like, all right, you little shit. Right? Yeah. And that's where Wes Craven's mopping, and he's wearing the Freddy Krueger, mm-hmm. you know, uh, oh, sweater. Fred. And he's got the hat on, right? He's and like, it's the real sweater. You're a little shit. <laughs> yeah. Wes you're a little shit. <laughs> But yeah, this is this is Wes Craven's second cameo playing Freddy Krueger in the hallway, mopping up the blood. That's pretty cool, man. Oh, that was cool seeing he, he snuck in there. But um, and Fonz is still scared, still hearing shit. Checks the closet, man. where if the keen eye can pick out his leather his, jacket. Yeah, we talked about that too, right? But as soon as that happens, man, as soon as he like, I think he he turns around, doesn't he close? I think he's closing the door. He left the door yeah. open in his office. He's coming out of the closet. Coming out of the closet. He closes uh, the door. Yeah, no way. Um, but as he closes the door, that's when he gets yanked. He gets he gets got. Yeah, he gets stabbed a few times. Oh the man, chest. in the guts. And I like the way too, because he's like he's portraying what I would imagine would feel like if you got surprised, <laughs> fucking gutted. It's like, oh, oh my god, that sucks. And he looks. <laughs> this up, is horrible. And I love this with the close in of his oh, eye. Oh, dude, that was such a good shot, man. I wrote that down too. Eyeball. Yeah, as he as he lay dying. You do get to see the ghost face and hit the eyeball scene. That was then cool. we go over to Jamie Kennedy in the video store. Let me see if that's... if I believe. That's, oh no, there's a little bit before that. There's a little bit before that. You oh. get Tatum with Sid. They're, I think, I'm not sure if that her house, whoever house. They're all like on this little porch. And this is where Tatum starts to question Sid about her mom and dad and Cotton Weary. Right? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, she starts to compare the rumors to... Um, <coughs> To Richard Gere's gerbil story, like oh, you, you can, can only, only hear him so many times. Yeah, before you start, like, all right, what are the rumors all about? Uh, Sid says her mom's killer could still be out there because she's starting to think, well, maybe I'm kind of rushing to, to what's going on here. Like, where's my dad? What's going on with my mom? Mm-hmm. Etc. It's like you know, maybe maybe the rumors are true about your mom. Yeah, you get that scene. Um, you get. Oh, I know what she says. I know what she says. She says this is, sounds like some kind of Wes Carpenter film. Yeah, right. And I was like, oh. Because here's Wes Craven mixing or mashing his references to John Carpenter. Carpenter. Yeah, and they mention it in the film. Then we get Jamie Kennedy at the video store, right? 
Almost. God damn it. Almost. It's okay. We're almost there. As as they have that conversation, they're coming to that realization of the two girls, that's when you see Ghostface kind of in that little wooded area. Oh, yeah, because their next couple scenes, if you're paying attention. And he's kind of, you he's... see him in the woods, and he kind of like sneaks off. Because after after the video store, you see them this again. This is where we get yeah. <laughs> Well, because after the video store, we see them again, and you end you up do. seeing Ghostface at the end of that scene as it well. It starts off with um, with the Frankenstein, black and white Frankenstein. It's alive! It's alive. And this is where uh, Stu is in the video store with Randy. And he I think he comes up behind uh, Randy. Me and Matthew Lillard comes up behind Jamie Kennedy and spooks him, and he fucking drops the video cassettes. <laughs> right? Yeah, I... I thought the the best part of this scene, most of this scene is Jamie Kennedy just sort of breaking down what's going on. Yeah, there's a lot of references if you don't he pay attention. He makes a huge amount of references. There's actually a lady that comes up and asks about a film that Drew Barrymore was in. Mm-hmm. She asks, what is the film that has the mother and E.T. in it? Um, the horror movie. Oh, uh, she's like a uh, werewolf movie that has the mother from ET. Yeah, and he's, he's like, like the, howling. Oh, the howling. He's like, it'll be over there in horror, mm-hmm. right? So, like I said, you're already talking about Drew Barrymore being an ET. Now you get another reference with the howling, the Joe Dante, right? Boom. Uh, so anyhow, uh, this is where Randy starts to question uh, Stu about Billy being the murderer, right? Stu chimes in that he thinks it might be her dad. So, like I said, they do have this back and forth. Uh, Randy starts to freak out a little bit about the cops. They think they could have solved this a long time ago had they followed the fucking format, right? Yeah. He's like, don't they? He's like, they could have ended this had they watched, uh, was it Prom Queen or some shit like that? Or Prom Night? Yeah, Prom Night, I think. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's like, you could have solved this a long time ago. Um, Well, what I thought was, there's a a great little part where Randy starts talking about the dad, like that whole scenario breaking down. He's like, everybody knows. He's like, that's just a prop. He says, uh, the dad will wind up showing up at, uh, in the last reel in the film. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he says to him. So he's kind of blowing apart Stu's theory about the dad. And I, I love the part where he points out, like, there, oh, there's always a reason to kill the, the girlfriend or something. Or, and I can't remember exactly what he says. He's like, there's always a reason to kill the stupid bitch or something like that. And when he says that, if you pay attention, the extra in the background behind him uh-huh. is this blonde lady looking at video cassettes. And she looks up. Looks really disgusted at him, <laughs> shakes her head, and walks off screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. There's some funny stuff, man, like so the, the, those two have. Uh, when he says, after he says, you know, the dad will appear in the last reel... That's when he shouts out, he's like, everybody's a suspect! <laughs> right? And he freak, like everybody stops where they're doing, looks up at him. But I paused it at that scene, because I was like, you know... I had my head down just writing, and I looked up. When I looked up at the point I paused it on, mm-hmm. there was, like, what I'm looking at next to me, a cardboard cutout, right? Mm-hmm. But I think there were posters of two posters. One of them uh, was a Jamie Lee Curtis film. I can't remember if it was True Crimes or one of those films. Okay. It was, like, on one of the side of the shelving of, the of like I said, the, the cassettes. And the other one next to it was Green Jelly, Three Little Pigs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, really? Yeah, for reals. So in the video store scene, right after he says everybody's a suspect, yeah, like I said, they you see a poster of a, like a more recent Jamie Lee Curtis film. I don't know if it's True Crimes; it might be something, something like that, True Lies or some shit. Uh, but you definitely do see the G, uh, the Green Jelly, and I was like, whoa, I haven't heard that reference in a while. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so you, if shit. if you pause it just I in wish time, I would have paused it there. You now. get that, and this is where Jamie Kennedy he says he's like, no, the dad's just a red herring; it's Billy. And this is where Billy is in the store because he starts to make mention. 
Uh, like, like earlier because he's like, like talking taste, to some girls. Being in the horror, you know, he's being like, yeah, that's why he's the starts, only suspect in a. That's why he starts saying that it's it might be Billy. He's like, that's bad taste right mm-hmm. there. Yeah, and that's where they could be start developing the theory. Like, no, Anyhow, that's not bad taste. Bad taste is this uh, film over here by <laughs> Peter Jackson. And... Yeah. <laughs> Funny thing uh, after that too is like I said, Billy confronts uh, Randy. Like he's in his face at this point, and they're like, "Oh shit!" And uh, this is where Jamie Kennedy kind of spins his story, and he's like, "Well, what's he's like, what's your motive or something like that?" Because they talk about maybe their motives. He's like, "It's oh. the millennium." <laughs> yeah, it's the millennium. <laughs> yeah, he blames his like him being the killer on it being the millennium. Like that's what there Randy. You go. <laughs> he just gives a bullshit answer, but um, anyhow, they're like, "Whoa, that's a that's a good one. It's yeah. the millennium." Oh, then they have they do have a montage of the town shutting down for the curfew, mm-hmm. right? I think this is where um, you actually get to hear some Nick Cave right here. Yeah, red right hand. Yeah, which actually goes good, through man. I think the first few entries into the series, and I think he did a re-recorded version for one of the really entries cool, into the dude. series. Yeah, I was like, oh, now I forgot it. He was. I can't remember if it was three or four, but I think he does a re-recorded version yeah. with like a reworked verse so, uh, for either Scream Three or Four. Talking about my brother-in-law, like if Jeff, if you're listening to this one, man. Here you go. Dude, I love Red Right Hand. That's yeah, one of my dude. favorite. Yeah, th- oh. but uh, yeah, this is where uh, it's Dewey and Tatum and uh, Nev Campbell. Sit. Yeah, they're getting snacks, and you see yeah. uh, Ghostface stalking them well, some more. When they get out of the of the car that they're in, I guess it's like a, a Jeep Cherokee state issue. Mm-hmm. Um, they make mention of the town being quiet. Like, look how quiet it is. And then she's like... This reminds me of, uh, like, the town that dreaded sundown. Yep. He's like, oh, I've seen that movie. That's about a serial killer in a town in Texas. That's what David Arquette says. So that's what they, and that, I even wrote that in my notes. That's yeah. one of my, my precursors for his I, notes. I, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I missed that the second time through when I was actually taking notes. But now that you said it out loud, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, a town that dreaded sundown. And somehow. I was like, that almost made me rewatch that movie. Yeah. Um, somehow that, that turns into a. Um, a conversation about where he says, David Arquette says, they talk about like typecasting. He's like, well, you know, I would typecast you as a, or no, who would play me in a movie? And he's like, oh, I would, I would cast Meg Ryan. She's like, oh, no, in my luck, it'd be Tori Spelling. And there's Tori a reason. Spelling almost was. Yeah. Ugh. What I, not a yep. fan. Mm. Not a fan. Nope. Sorry. Uh, I'm glad she was in a scary movie because I'm glad she wasn't in this movie. Wait a yep. minute. I would, I probably wouldn't have watched it, to be honest. I mean, Sorry, Tori, but I'm not a fan. Uh, <laughs> we're getting, God, we're getting so close to. I know. Well, like I said, this is where the girls the go in the snack, right? The girls go into into the store, that little grocery store. Do we stay outside? Sid starts to open up about her sexual anorexia, is what I put it down as, because she talks about her intimacy issues, etc. She's like, uh, you know, Billy's a good guy for sticking with me because you know my oh, intimacy issues. Yeah. She's like, and this is where Tatum's like, he's like. Billy and his penis don't deserve to you or to be inside you or some yeah. shit. Yeah, and well, as those girls are leaving that little frozen section they're in, there's like glass doors, whatever. Uh, as they close those doors, what else do we get to see in the glass? A reflection in the glass. Yeah, that's when you see Ghostface. Yeah, Ghostface killer or Ghostface is in the fucking store with the girls. There, he's stalking them in the stores. All right, uh, let me see where I'm at. Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. This is where the, uh, Dewey meets up with the sheriff. Right. He's like eating ice cream. He's like, "Where you been?" The sheriff. That was like, so funny how Dewey's just eating ice cream through this. Uh, yep. 
this basically, is where, they discuss the phone records. This is what they're having a conversation and it, about. It traces back to her dad's phone. Yes, yeah, so the calls were made by, uh, what's his name, Neil Prescott, Sidney's dad. Neil Prescott, dad. yeah. Ooh, that doesn't sound too good. And this so is that's on kind the of the eve. angle that they're looking at. Yeah, and they said it's, it's ironic in a sense because it's on the eve of the one-year anniversary of Sidney's mom, right? And so now they're, the prime suspect is the dad, right? So they're going to kind of keep it on the low, low that they're looking for dads, but they're, that's who their prime suspect is. So after we get that scene, this is where it starts to get into the party scene. This is a long scene. There's an interesting thing about this whole scene right here. 21-day shoot for this next 40 One, minutes. Yeah, so for 42 minutes, right, the rest of this film is in the party. Uh, like I said, it took 21 days to shoot from sun up till sundown. It was called, what, scene 118. Mm-hmm. The, cr- the crew and then the cast... They made T-shirts after filming this. Scene one eighteen. Yeah, and they said that this was the the longest night in horror history, right? So yeah, twenty one days it took to film this forty two minutes. That's that's wow. From sun up till sundown. Yeah, wow. you get into the party, you see that it's going on for the most part. Yeah, Dewey's just dropping the girls off. They're at Stu's house, mind mm-hmm. you. They you go get inside. a scene outside, yeah. and Gail and the film guy they show up. They're kind of like I don't know if they're on like a back road or something going into the party. Yeah, um, but she's she's talking up Dewey some more. Yeah, because Dewey kind of he he kind of breaks up their little what they're going to do. I guess the cameraman and her. That's what eventually happens is like I guess he wants to escort her into the house into the party. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, let me grab my jacket first. And when she does, she gets like a doesn't she get like a, a, camera. Like a handheld camera? Yeah. So as you cut back into the house, you get Jamie Kennedy starting to ask some questions, and he brings up two movies here. I don't know if you caught wind of this or not. He's holding up two cassettes, and what he's doing is he's asking the little crowd that's gathered what they're going to play on the VCR. Hellraiser, and he says, or... first one, Evil Dead. Evil Dead. And he's like, Hellraiser. all right, one. All right, next one, how about Hellraiser? And everybody's like, Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. So, all right, anyhow, this is interesting because then this is where Nav starts to name drop a lot of movies. She says The Fog, Terror Train, Prom Night. They all have Jamie Lee Curtis in it. Why? Right? And this is where Randy says, she's the screen queen. Right? And then Tatum, like, so they, they're like, I guess, I'm not sure if they're watching, maybe they are watching Halloween. He's like, I want to see tits, man. I want to see Jamie Lee's tits. Well, I think he's mentioning, uh, Jamie Lee, I'm mean, not Jamie Lee, Jamie Kennedy's mentioning Nev. He's like, well, she got nominated for Terror Train, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, he's, I guess he's trying to play her up a little bit. Um, and then Tatum confronts Dewey about Gail being at the party, right? This has been Gail and Dewey show up. And then Gail kind of like, as they're having that little spat, Dewey and Tatum, she sneaks that fucking little tape recorder, that handheld, like into the living room sort of entertainment yeah. center. Yeah. So she's so that's she, overlooking the. She got access. She's putting. She wants in case something pops off at that party. She wants some inside video, right? I think this is where Stu Matthew Lillard he he tells Tatum. Rose McGowan to go on a beer run, right? Mm-hmm. She's like, you know, what am I? Anyway, she goes off into the into the car garage, right? And she's going over to a fridge. The door closes behind her. She gets spooked by a cat while she's going after the beer, right? As that happens, you hear the door lock, right? That The car uh, garage mm-hmm. door. I think she goes over because the lights go out, and then she goes over to, like, the switch. I think she turns on the garage door switch, and the garage door starts to go up. She turns the lights back on. And then it gets stopped about midway, Something, yeah. She turns back around, and there's Ghostface, right? And she thinks it's Randy. 
Yeah. Is this one of your horror movies or something? Yeah. I spit on your garage door. I, I spit on your garage door. Which yeah. I thought was hilarious. I was like, that's I another write. reference to yeah. I spit, I on, spit your on your grave. Yeah, man. Um, a great movie. Yeah, so she's like, all right, Randy, let me let me go in. She's like, I spit on your garage door. I thought it was funny. I, I did get a chuckle out of that because I was like, damn, that's funny. And she's but, like, oh, please, are you going to let me live? I want to be in the sequel. And then he like, starts shaking his head. Like, so, all right, yeah. Randy. He's like, nope. She throws up. He, he grabs her arm and then he gets that blade and cuts her arm. Mm-hmm. And that's that kind of like, all right, this is not. Sets off the attack. Yep, that's when the struggle ensues. And you know what I was thinking too the whole time that the whoever I think it was Matthew Lillard supposedly his. I want to. So I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't thinking about it, but I want to back this up about three minutes into when she was first entering the garage. There's something that I I was I wasn't sure if I wanted to point out. That's okay, but. Oh, it, it's so noticeable <laughs> oh, to the yeah. point where they've like had they've had to clarify this. Yeah, she's as she's Rose confirmed. McGowan is entering the garage. You get to see her some, nipples uh, are so erect that yeah. they have had to clarify that they did not make her wear fake no nipples. That, those are hers. Those belong to her. That's really weird to comment on, but I thought I no, no, it is brought up. When like you whether you up, want to notice it or not, you kind of do. I mean, it's you know, it's yeah. Rose McGowan. You know, anyway, she says this is the the best filming experience of her life. So, cool. I'm okay with that. She ends up trying to escape out through the little pet door. In yeah, there's the, a pet door on the garage door. And she, she gets act, stuck. Well, that's but the thing. The funny she thing doesn't is, get stuck. No, 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 no. She, she well, she gets stuck, but Rose turns out is tiny enough to fit through. She found out that she actually fit through those pet doors, and they had it reconstructed to get her to get. Now, Stuck. she dies by it being activated oh, yeah. and it crushing it her up her. against the top. It was a pretty wild death scene. If yeah. you watch while it's lifting her up and you actually are staring down at her chest, you can, if you pay attention, her shirt doesn't bunch naturally. Right. And it pulls weirdly taut in some places. And if you pay attention, it's because it's stapled oh, to yeah, the inside to of the door down, to they? keep her in there. Yeah, that's pretty wild, man. <laughs> And because you, so you can, tiny. it comes across on film though. Like you can see that her her shirt Where's isn't caught down? naturally. Wow, huh. I wasn't really paying attention to that, but I knew that. That's kind of funny. But yeah, it's, that that scene though, where where she gets crushed, it's pretty gnarly. Man. As soon as that's done, wow. Billy shows up. Yeah, go figure, right? And him and Nev go off to talk. Fucking Matthew Lillard makes some jokes about whether they're going to go talk. Let's see here. Um... Yeah, that's where uh, they start to Still. comment on where, yeah, where's Tatum, right? And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe she's off somewhere. That's where Randy asked, too. He's like, what's Leatherface doing here? Yeah, yeah, because as soon as they head off, he's like, what's Leatherface doing there? He's like, oh, well, there goes my chance. Yeah, because here's, here's that funny little exchange, yeah. Because then he's like, he's like, well, you know, the, the, Jamie Kennedy's character thinks that his chances with Sid are blown. And then Stu's like, as if. It's like, as if? Okay, Alicia. Yeah, and it's funny because that's a reference to Alicia. Clueless. 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 1995. 1995, one of my favorite movies. Yeah, so they, like, so these guys like to ad lib a lot. Rolling with the homies. That movie's funny, dude. It's a good movie. Uh, this next scene. This is where the camera guy, he starts to watch the hidden footage inside yeah, the Yeah, and he, well, because. He the, notices there's Courtney a Courtney Cox just got back there. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. he notices that he just saw her leave on the footage, so it's like yeah. a thirty second delay. Exactly, he knows there's a delay, at least a thirty second delay, and then she starts to ask him, being the camera guy, she's like, "Do you do you think like uh, a sleazy tabloid journalist 
ever won the Pulitzer Prize. First time for everything. Yeah, exactly. And then this is where you get the scene of Billy and Ted. They're back upstairs in the bedroom talking about about them being selfish. They're selfish uh, for the fact that, you know, well, I, my mom and I, blah, blah, blah. They've been holding on too long. Anyhow, it's a big bullshit scene about them and finally getting And he's still speaking out. almost exclusively in movie metaphors. Yes. She brings up the uh, about being the bad seed, right? She's like, I, I don't know if I'm... Because she's, so, she's scared that she's oh, going to wind up like, like my mom. it's like Silence of the Lambs, da da yeah. da da, da. he compares it to Silence of the Lambs. And she's like, this, but this is real life, not a movie. And he's like, it's, it's all, all one big movie. It's all one big movie. He's just, you just can't pick the genre. She's like, well, I wish I could be a Meg Ryan movie. Or a good, or a good porno. porno movie. And he's like, what? You heard me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, as they start yeah. to get it on, it cuts back. They, yeah. They're not quite starting to get it on nah, yet. And you don't quite. see much of it, but it does cut back to him here in a little bit. Here's but this is probably the really scene cool. that this movie is really known for. Is I would this agree. party this watching so Halloween, Halloween. and Jamie Kennedy explaining to them all the rules. Yep. If you haven't paid attention... This is funny. If you haven't followed us through the past four episodes... Yeah, there are He breaks down everything that we've been telling you about. Trade. yeah. Very concise and to the point. We've just been using very drawn-out examples. This is this is kind of funny, too, because this is... Uh, what like so there are, there's a gang of you know, Stu and Randy and a couple of other you know party guests are watching Halloween right. Stu like so this is where Stu comments about he wants to see Jamie Lee's Curtis's tits. Jamie Kennedy says you don't get to see those until 1983 when she was in Trading Places right. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says she was always a virgin in horror films. Uh, she never showed her tits till she went Wait, legit. legit. <laughs> I was like, damn. One of the other, well, one of the other girls signs in. She's like, she wasn't able to afford a good enough chest or something like that. Like, yeah, it's it's funny. I was like, man. damn, savage. Uh, but he says there are rules to this thing. And he's like, rules. He's like, hold on. He pauses the film. Being uh, Randy, Jamie uh, Kennedy's character, he's like, all right, rule number one: no sex. Right? Mm-hmm. And you hear the moans and groans. He's like, yep, sorry, that's part of the rules. Rule number two: no drinking or drugs. Right, and then and you get like, oh, hand yeah. the drink and shit. And He's like, oh, "Whoops, I'm, I'm out." And number three, never under any circumstances say that you'll be right back. And this is where Matthew Lillard, you know, his stew character you gets there. Yeah, he says, uh, "I'll be right back." Oh, yeah. And everybody gets there like, "Ooh!" Right. So I mean, that's like you were talking about. That's one of those scenes if. You're familiar with this film. This is one of those scenes you don't forget just because it's hyped up and like they're giving the rules. Those are three of them. There's, there's, there's a couple cuts back too to indicate that the other there's two are other having rules. sex. Yeah, there's other rules too that the um at the, towards that, the beginning that the voice mentions too that the voice mentions yeah, like you don't go outside and check on weird noises mm-hmm. and stuff like and you that. don't ask who's there. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and this is very right in this scene. I think right after somewhere is where you find out that. The principal got killed. Yeah. It's, because it was right close. after it. Because I remember it was still in the living room. Somebody says something about it, and I paused so I could take notes. And I paused exactly right. And Jamie Kennedy is leaning over something and reaching towards something in the entertainment center. Right. And if you pause right there, as it is owned by the Weinstein Company, there is a very 90s video cassette in the background, very prominently. Huh. Clerks. Oh, no kidding. Yep. I did not know that. Huh. I just happened to accidentally pause it right at the right place. Wow. I look up and I'm like, oh my god. I did not know I that. I know that via VHS sleeve. Well, well I wasn't looking for that, but I'll be on the lookout now knowing that. 
Because you're right, there is a scene coming up with Mr. Kennedy. Owned by the Weinstein Company, huh. so they probably were able to throw it in, no problem. what they say about, about these certain film companies, Miramax and all these companies? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah, like right after, I think it's right after uh, Matthew Lillard goes into the, you know, into the kitchen or whatever, after he says, I'll be right back. Uh, Gail's out there with the camera guy again, and they're watching the feed from the van. This is where Dewey interrupts again, and he asks Gail to go on a walk with him. Right. I think it's right when they cut back into the party after this that yeah. you see the clerks. So they, they cut back into it, and this is where if – like so we covered Halloween. There's a shot of um, – I can't remember the girl's name in the film. But it's her – she and her boyfriend are upstairs, right? And she gives him that little – And like, says, oh, it's oh, a tit the, shot. The obligatory tit shot. Yeah. And this is where you get the cut up and it's funny Campbell. because it syncs up with Billy and Sid upstairs. She's kind of like – And you don't see anything in either yeah. case. It's just funny that that's – they're kind of syncing up with mm-hmm. the film, right? This is where Randy gets the phone call, right? There's a phone call inside the house. Randy answers the phone. And this is about Principal Hembry's death, Right. And he's like, oh, what happened, blah, blah, blah. And he tells him, he's like, you know, Principal Henry, he got murdered, and he got hung up to the goalpost out in the football field. And everybody inside the party, the dudes, are like, oh, oh let's go. Go check, out. check out the body before they take it down. And he's like, don't leave me, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then one of the girls, she dips out too, right? All that stuff after seeing the tit shot. And um, it's them speeding out of there that yeah. we cut back out of the party. Mm-hmm. And this is and like I said, Randy's left alone. The camera guy sees the dude storm off because he's inside still watching the the camera guy. And this is like I said, he sees all the all the kids running off, getting in their cars. Doing Gail, they're chit chatting about their names. Like you know, she makes mention, "Well, my name's Gail Weathers." That sounds, sounds like, like a meteorologist, right? Because he's like, "Well, you know, my name's Dwight." Really Dwight, but you know, Dewey's is a nickname. People it's give me shit way about that- it. People doesn't take me serious, you know. The town doesn't it, take me seriously. Exactly, and that's when those cars start to rush down the road, and they're they get scared off the road, and they take a little tumble, and they one up on top of each other, and they start to kiss. I'm and still on. I'm still on the clock. I'm still on the clock. I'm still on duty, and she looks over right, and she this she's like, this is what we've been looking for all night. What you've been looking for all night? He's like, my whole life. Nah. <laughs> she's like, not that. And they look over, and it's it's a car. It's a Jeep, isn't it, or something like that? Yeah, and well, it's, he, it's, he recognizes it. It's... As as Sydney's dad's car, Neil Prescott's car, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, holy shit. So there's a holy shit moment, right? Right after that, this is where uh, Sid starts to ask Billy. I guess they're, they're done, right? Kind of in the afterglow. Yeah, they're afterglow. They're making love sesh or whatever. Uh, she asks, hey, Billy, uh, who'd you call that night? And he says, well, I called my dad. She's like, well, I saw the sheriff call your dad. Right, and he says, "Well, I called my dad before, and he didn't answer." Right, and he says, "Well, you," he says, "Are you still, you still think I'm the killer?" Right, and he's like, "What, what is it going to take for me to prove to you that I'm not the killer?" And she's like, "Billy, but you know, uh-huh. you start seeing the ghost face ghost come face up attacks. behind him, right?" And this too, if you're paying it close attention, it's like kind of like a little overreacting. Gets, uh, but he gets stabbed a few times. Yeah, he attacks uh, Billy. Chases off after Nev. She manages she to barely making attic. it out of the attic window. Yeah, she sees the news van down. Uh, from she's the, trying from to call window. for help from one window. Yeah. Ends up trying to go out That's a different where one. Yeah, she winds up escaping out of the attic. Well, the way she does it is she's like, she goes outside the attic window. That's when Ghostface grabs, grabs her. Grabs her. And he lets go and she falls out, but she falls out on like a Onto tarp a boat. on top of a boat and she mm-hmm. rolls out. She escapes. Is like, oh shit! She looks back up and he's gone. 
And then as she continues to look, that's where she sees Tatum's body. Ooh, yeah. Whoops. (laughs) She does. She discovers Tatum's because I guess that that boat was right there in that garage. And that's where you do see her body. And it's like, oh, shit. This is the best part. Oh, man. And the reason I like this, too, because of his name. Yeah. Uh, so watch out, Jamie! Look behind yeah. you. This cuts back inside. He's still he's still inside watching Halloween, and the whole scene is like he's like he's right behind you. <laughs> like just turn around, Jamie. And as you're turn watching around, it, Ghostface is creeping up behind. It's Randy, right? Yeah, it's Randy. But so this is the only scene, yeah, where Ghostface is not a stunt person. Oh, Skeet Ulrich asked if he could, yeah, be in the suit for this scene. Nice, so as man. he's creeping up behind Randy. They didn't get a job. You don't actually see him kill or anything. Uh, that's par- probably part of the reason why they allowed a non-stunt person to do it. That's pretty you cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because, yeah, as that whole scene's going on, I, I, I like that too because just knowing the fact that, you know, his name's Jamie Kennedy and mm-hmm. he's talking to Jamie Lee Curtis. He's uh, talking to yeah, but... He's right behind you. It's so obvious. Just turn around. <laughs> just, turn... <laughs> just turn around, Jamie. <laughs> behind you. Yeah. And uh, what startles... What's even funnier, though, is... The dude's watching it on the display. Yeah. Yeah, he is. There's a, there's a delay. Out too. in the van. Yeah. And so he's watching the kid. Yeah. He's yelling, look behind you, at the kid who's yelling, look behind you. Yeah. He's, it, it is funny. He's like the viewer of a movie, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. in the theater. And that's that's your obligatory, like, shout out, hey, man, look behind you, duh. And at reaction. this point, like... Nev's over there in the van with him. Yeah, because to that's what that's what spooks Ghostface from stabbing Jamie. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Randy, because he raises up and he sees her running off toward the van, and it breaks him up. And you're right because he's like, "Well, there's a doesn't he mention like but there's, there's a delay? delay? Well, yeah, he turns. He around, goes out. And of the he's van. like, "Shit!" And he realizes the door's open. Yep. And he's and like, "There's a delay." And he turns back and throat. He slash. gets throat slashed, and as he's going down, he says the door to her, and so I guess. She's closing the door to the van. She winds up getting sliced, I think, on her arm or on her, her shoulder or something like bit. that. But she manages She's smart. to crawl She crawls out, out the back of the van through, the like, back, a bunch of equipment gear through and the shit. equipment. Uh, Ghostface can't quite follow that way. Nope. But she escapes. We get a shot of uh, Gail and Dewey. They arrive back at the house. Um, Dewey's going in as Gail. She starts to call 911. Yeah, she's going to go out to the. She's going to go to the van to use the cell phone. Yep. He's going to go check out the house. He's freaked out by the sounds coming from Halloween. Yeah, and he's funny. checking all over the house. Yep, uh, kind of gets into that room and lets down his guard a little bit because he notices it's the movie. Exactly, and then this is where you get uh, a girl. She's back at the van. Uh, she goes to look for Kenny. She starts to look for Kenny. She can't find him. Looks I think that she looks down. She sees like this pool of blood on the like the little footstep, right? Mm-hmm. Then she goes around, I think, to uh, to start the van up or some shit. Yeah, so she freaks out obviously by the pool of blood. Gets in there. Grabs the cell phone, tries to calling. I think. Oh no! She starts the van up first. Yep. She grabs the cell phone off the dash and tries calling. Mm-hmm. As she tries to call, oh, it's funny Jamie cause... Kennedy <laughs> pops his face up in the window. Yeah, he gets punched right in the face, asking for you know, like, ah, oh, shit, I need help or whatever. Yeah. And she clocks him like twice in the she face fucks with him the up phone. Real quick. It's not. I'll put it this way. It's not the first time he gets punched. It's not the last time. Because there's a scene I paused, and I'll talk about it here in a second. <laughs> But she does. She decks them, and then she turns on the windshield wipers because it looks like it's. She, I think she initially turns on the heater, and she's like, "Okay, well, it's not frost or anything." She turns on windshield wipers, and it's blood, mm-hmm. right? And then the body of, of Kenny falls down. And off so the she band. she whips it around to get the body. <laughs> she's to like fall doing off. donuts and shit. 
<laughs> and she does. She slings fucking Kenny off onto like and a fence. And she apologizes to. She's like, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry but it, it makes you too wonder about South Park. Yeah. <laughs> and as she's getting out of there, Nev's coming up the road trying to get help. Yeah, she, she almost, almost crashes runs over into Nev, Nev Campbell. And then when she does, she's like the whole time. Courtney Cox is like fucking. She's freaking out. She's she's having a panic attack. And she goes off road and smashes smashes right into a tree, right? And you're like, oh, go figure, right? Okay, so after that happens, after uh, Gail crashes the van into the tree, yeah. So Sid uh, goes. goes back to the house, right? Uh, Dewey comes out of, of the like the I guess the porch, and he's like Sid, and he turns and, and he's a got a knife in the back. back. He he slumps over. Ghostface appears and takes the knife out of his back. Starts to chase Sydney. She winds up running back into uh, Dewey's his police car. Is it was actually like a Jeep Cherokee. Yeah. She closes like the doors. She goes to to crank it and no keys, man. Guess who's and got the keys? Faces outside. He's dangling and... the keys in front of her. But then he goes like, I think up underneath the the, the Jeep. Yeah, he drops down so she doesn't know where he's at. Yeah. And then he starts popping up and like unlocking the doors. And she's like freaking out. She locks. She it hears back. a call on a dispatch radio inside the inside the jeep. And, and so that's as when she grabs the radio. To, she makes to a, make distress a distress call. call she tells the address and shit too, right? The back. Oh yeah, that's a cool scene. The that's back. a really cool scene. As she's making the distress yep. call, you see the back open up. Yeah, the hatch in the back opens up, and uh, guess who's back there? It's yeah, Ghostface again. He attacks Sid. Sid winds up getting out of the out of the car. She runs up back up to the door, or like the steps. She winds up getting Dewey's gun from his holster while she goes back in. Uh, as that happens, that's when Randy and Stu both kind of show up. I, I think it's Randy first. She turns and Randy comes up. She gotta help me, Sid. And then Stu very quickly after. You gotta help me. He's gone crazy. This and that pushes Randy over. And she's pointing the gun kind of like haphazardly at both of them. She doesn't know because mm. they're both blaming each other for being the killer. Mm. Fuck you both. Slams yeah, the door shut, locks it behind her. And then this is a funny moment too. Billy kind of comes up from up up the stairs out of the out of that little hallway. And he's like, Sid. And then he f- takes a tumble down the stairs, right? All pfft, nonchalantly. <laughs> she goes over to help him. And uh, he's like, I'm okay. Which is <laughs> fucked up because he got, he got gacked a couple times yeah. in, the, in the guts and shit. It would look like. But eventually, they go over to the the door. It's okay, Sid. Give me the gun. She does, like a fucking idiot. He's like, I'll open it up. And he opens it up. It's Randy. That's Randy. Randy comes in. He's like, Stu's going mad. We all go a little mad sometimes. Yeah, she's like, Shot in the chest. She's like, she's telling, uh, she's telling, like, no, Billy. And Jamie's like, oh, fuck. He does. He gets he gets blasted in the shoulder. It wasn't mm-hmm. a, it wasn't non-lethal. it wasn't a full on chest shot. No, he's lucky. It was yeah. a non lethal shot. But anyhow, that that causes Sid to go over and check on him, right? Oh, and he even qu- he's like psycho. Yeah, it is. He's like Anthony Perkins, psycho. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. If you yeah. Anyway. Uh, but no, the, the funny thing right after that is like so as Sid's attending to Randy, she uh, this is where uh, Skeet Billy he he starts to lick like the blood. He's like. Mm corn syrup the same corn syrup they used as pig's blood and carry mm-hmm. right uh it, like i said he's like most of this last scene yeah they, they actually use corn syrup dyed red right dyed red as blood mm-hmm. this is where i think this is where sid gets up and she's kind of like stumbling backwards and this is where Stu appears behind her Stu appears and they end up in the kitchen S- oh hold, right before that he oh. says surprise sydney yeah he has that vocoder box or that voice scrambler right now she's kind of surrounded by. Well, uh, I was going to say this is where they kind of they kind of force her into the kitchen a little bit, and they, they start explaining. Yeah, and they're they're sort of popping it back and forth. I like what he says to her, Billy. Being he's like, "Looks like you've seen a ghost 
right? Anyhow, it's he's like this is where Sue's like it's all part of a game, Sydney. And this is where if Billy you win, says, "You die he, if you lose, or he, if you lose, you die if you win." He says, he, he, "What he says about the game? He says the game's called Guess How I'm Going to Die, right?" Mm-hmm. And then she's like, "Fuck you, Billy!" Or she doesn't say it like that, but she says, "Fuck you." He's like, "No, no, no, no. We've already played that game. Remember, you lost." Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, and so that, <laughs> I'm like, "Wow, that was a, you, a zinger." It's really, it's really cool, and it's really intense because they're right yes, there. Man. They have her at gunpoint. They're both obviously yeah, psycho they are. and really weirdly broing out. They are. They're having this little bro moment. Between They're definitely each other. broing out really hard. Uh, here's uh, a big drop, and they and they explain it all it, down here's to the fact the big that drop. they killed. Yeah, they confessed to framing Cotton Weary, and then uh, Sid's like, "Well, why?" And then this is where Bill, uh, Billy and Stu both is like, "Well." Did Norman Bates have a motive? So they're dropping yeah. Psycho again. It's scarier when they don't have a motive. Yeah. He said, yeah, exactly. He said, did they Norman ever Bates decide for sure why Hannibal why Lecter Hannibal, like the ate taste of flesh? Yeah, exactly. No. He says it's a lot scarier with no motive. That's what Billy says to Sid, right? Billy and Stu say that Sid's mom was a whore and that she was no Sharon Stone, right? So they're dropping a, a basic instinct, which I think they alluded to that, too, at the fountain scene. Yeah. Like, Tame, she's like, well, it's like Sharon Stone. He's like, that's different with a pickaxe. Yeah. Right, yeah. Or ice pick, that's right. Billy says that his dad slept with Sid's mom. Which led to his mom splitting. So he told that story briefly at the beginning. I mean, he's like, total abandonment leads to deviant behaviors. After all, yep. it led you to sleep with a psychopath. Yeah, it's like, it scarred me, caused you to have sex with a psychopath, yep. Uh, and this is where Stu's like, you're no longer a virgin, Sid. Now you die. That's the rules. <laughs> right? I thought I was like, damn, they're, they're playing it out, man. Yeah. Um, uh, and then he pulls out... Dad, as a surprise. He, well, yeah, he says, how's it going to end, right? He asked that. Student Behind asked that. door number three. Got a surprise for you, Sid. I'll be right back. He does. He grabs her dad out of the closet, all bound up and shit, right? Um, he says, oh, it's going to be a scream. I think he mentions that to her. Billy starts to tell Sid that it's after midnight, and it's the anniversary of killing her mom. And uh, now uh, he's starting to fill in Sid on how they're going to frame her dad for, like, for, you know, for being the killer they're going to kill her. They're going to stab each other to make it look like the dad attacked them. Well, they don't really explain it so much. Not as necessarily they just stab that, each other. But they're going to frame the, the dad as the killer, right? Uh, this is where... Well, they're like, yeah, uh, we were left for dead. And that's where they start stabbing each other up a bit. They'd say, yeah. I think Billy stabs Stu first. He's like, he's pumping himself. He's like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Takes right. it in the side. Oh, man. Fucks him up, right? And, and then he's like, then right, he hands over the knife. He stabs he, Billy. Yeah, make get it to the outside, not too deep. I thought it was kind of funny too, because uh, Stu says he's like everybody dies, but me and Billy, or he's like, but but us. He says you gotta have a sequel these days, right? That's what he tells her. Which this she replies was submitted, yeah, with a five-page treatment for the sequel. Wow! And when it became so popular, yeah. it immediately got optioned. Why? Why not? Look at his success, man! Riding that piggyback. Um, this is what she says to him, because I've seen the meme for it, too. <laughs> she says, you sick fucks have seen too many movies. He says, don't blame the movie, Sid. Uh, I didn't write down the full thing, but what he says about this, but he's, he says, movies don't make psychos. He says, uh, movies make psychos more creative, mm-hmm. right? So he's like, you can't blame the movies because psychos are psychos. They just make them more creative. Um, but as he says that, right, this is where I wrote down, I like this this, to me, is a, is a memorable quote, if you remember this quote. He's like, I'm starting to feel woozy over here, man. Yeah. 
I like the, that. They explain it all, and they're each stabbed, and Billy stabs Stu a couple more times in, like, the arm. Ooh, yeah. And they're like, all right, well, I guess it's time to get on with it. And as Stu goes over to get the gr- gun, Guess what happens? It's, not it's missing. There's a surprise. And this is where Gail comes back in, and she's like, how about this for, like, a news report or something? I don't remember exactly what yeah, she, she says, what she's, she's saying like, is she's, she's da 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 reporter comes ending. in and fucking saves the story. And yeah, and now... Saves the day, and Nev's like... I like that ending. <laughs> and Billy gets up in her face, she's like, ah, something, da-da-da, I know something you don't. Kicks her over, grabs the gun. Yeah, knocks her works, the fuck out. Yeah, knocks her the fuck out. Works better with the safety off. Yeah, and it's funny, because she, she, when she gets knocked out, she gets kicked right out the front door... Right back on to Dewey. And he's like, Oh, isn't that cute? Yeah. <laughs> and if you're noticing, Dewey isn't breathing in that because Mm-mm. he was originally supposed to be dead. Yeah. Uh, but guess what? Just like the Undertaker, he comes back. He goes to shoot her to finish it off. Yeah, he's about to pull the trigger on Dewey. Dewey yells because. He notices that Sid and her dad are both missing, right? This is where Billy joins Stu in the kitchen. I guess they're, you know, they're pissed off. Whatever. Uh, this is this is a pretty cool scene. I like this scene. Uh, the phone starts to ring, right? This time, it's Sid as the voice saying the cops are on their way, right? And um, Billy gets pissed off. Well, it was Stu, actually, who initially answers it, right? I think she starts to call Billy a pansy mama's boy after he answers yeah. it, right? He gets all pissed off. And, and well, she starts awesome. to... They start to question, like... Well, she's, she knows... She knows... Um, Billy's motive, right, for the crime. And this is where Stu gets back on the phone. She's like, she starts to question, well, what's your motive, Stu? And he's like, well, it's peer pressure. I'm, I, too, know, sensitive. I'm too sensitive for this, right? He has some of the best lines, man. So the, the best part is when, when Billy grabs the phone again. When Billy grabs the phone, you know, this one she calls him, he gets pissed, <sighs> yeah. throws it back at Stu. It's funny because he... It, it was, wasn't supposed to hit no, him. it slipped out of his hand and it hit him. And his line is funny. Being, it's improvised and they kept it in because I, Did you write down hilarious. what he said? Yeah, he says, fucking, hit me with a phone, dick. Yeah, ow, you fucking hit me with a phone, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's kind of, you got to think too, like, blood's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, matted in his mouth. It's funny because, like, damn, that was And then that was right so after funny. that, another improvised line that apparently had Wes just rolling with them. Mom and Dad are going to be so yeah. mad at me. So, like, right after Billy throws that phone at him, he goes, like, darting off in, the, in, the, uh, in that little living room. He starts slashing all, like, the cushions and shit from the, from the uh, couch. And then that's when he's on the phone. Mm-hmm. Matthew literally, he, he's, like, he's like, did you really call the cops? He's like, you bet your sweet ass I did. <laughs> he's like, Mom and Dad are going to be so mad at me. <laughs> That's so good, man. Uh, this is where uh, Billy goes after Sid with a knife and the gun. Like he doesn't see her, but he's going after her, right? And he's kind of, he's. He, I think he's back in like that little uh, main main entrance of the home, right near the yeah. staircase and the door or whatever. This closet. He starts to hear whimpers. It sounds like it's coming from the closet, and he's starting to creep back into it. And once he gets to that closet door, he realizes that those whimperings is from Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween because the movie's still on in the background. And as soon as he realizes that that's when the closet door bursts open, he winds up getting stabbed with, like, the end of an umbrella. Yeah, in the chest twice. Yeah, and someone else is dressed up as the ghost face as this is happening. Nev. Yeah, it was Nev Campbell. It was was Sydney, right? She winds up – I put – she winds up stabbing him twice. She fucked him up good. Um, This is when Stu rushes at Sid, and she kicks There's something interesting. That second hit. Yeah. The the pain on his face was absolutely real because Did what you happened get him? 
Well, she got him. It wasn't just that she got him, though. She, there was a pad on his chest gotcha. that was supposed to help block it. Right. But it was supposed to help block it for a very particular reason. Skeet had open-heart surgery as a oh. child. And he had what? some, as part of his implant from whatever the surgery was that he had, right. there was actually metal circuitry sort of in his skin Damn. in that area. I didn't know this. And so when the umbrella hit that portion, it actually caused real severe pain. Damn. Got him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I was like, in that second one, you can tell, like, that one floored his ass. Yeah. But I didn't realize that. So that's, wow. Hats off to him for taking that <laughs> shit. Yeah. This makes me think, like, whoever was the stuntman for Matthew Lillard, because the height-wise was probably appropriate, they might be paying a little ode to, like, his goofishness, because as he's rushing towards Sid after that happens with Billy, she winds up, like, kick-flipping his ass. She goes down and kick-flips him, and then she, like, rolls into a dominant top position on top of him. Yeah. And then she punches him, and then he winds up punching her to knock oh, him yeah, off Oh, yeah, I her. forgot how much that they actually end up like, Holy rolling shit, around that was fighting like, for a little bit there. That looked like an MMA move, like the way she kick-flipped him and rolled right off of his yeah, ass. Yeah, that was a pretty good little fight, but she gets the upper hand, gets off him. She does, man. And fucking rocks that TV it's, right well, off his head. He had mentioned something to her, and I thought it was kind of oh, cool, yeah. too. Oh, yeah, was that a thing for you, Sid? Yeah, he, like I said, after he, uh, after, I think, yeah, after he gets off of her, and he gets up tackles over the couch, he, yeah, I think he makes mention, like, I always had a thing for you, Sydney, right? And she winds up biting him, and then she smashes him with the vase, and that's when she gets up, and she's like, in your dreams, and that's when she rocks that TV on Right top down of him. onto his noggin. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it for you, Matthew. Yeah. He's gone. That shit electrocuted him. I think this is when, um, let's see here. Yeah, Randy, uh, he startles Sid. He comes up behind her. It's funny because I paused this because I wanted to get what he says, right? And he's like, I thought I'd never, you know, he's like, I thought I'd never said I'd be unhappier to be oh, a virgin. She's like, I can't believe you're alive. And he's yeah. like, I can't either. I, I, he's like, I shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't be. <laughs> I never thought I'd be so happy to be a virgin. But the funny thing is, like, when I paused that because I wanted to write down what he had said, when I did, I saw, like, this blur of a fist coming through that scene. Like, like the panel, you see him kind of, like, tense up. Mm-hmm. And that's when he gets punched in the face by Billy right oh. after he says that shit. I was like, damn, that's twice he's been punched in this film. Yeah. But it's just the way I caught it. It was funny, mm-hmm. man. I was like, well, oh, and, yeah, damn. Billy rocks him. Then uh, Billy gets on top of Sid, and he, like, raises up and he's gonna get with the a knife. Stab. And he says, hello to your mom for me. And just as soon as that happens, she pokes Billy, like, in one of his stab wounds, I think, or something yeah, shit like that. Finger. Yeah, and that's when he rises up to stab her. But pow, Gail winds up shooting him. Knocks she, him off. And, yeah, it fucking blows him back and knocks him off of Sid. Sid gets up, and she's like... I uh, guess I remember the safety that time, bastard. Yeah. Right? Uh, Nev walks over to the body first. She's apparently taken yep. the so, uh, gun from... Yeah, from Gail. From uh, Gail. Randy, he starts to warn the chicks. He's like... Uh, well, they come up behind, and as he comes up behind, he yep. warns them. He's like, this would be the part where... When the killer comes back to life. To get one last scare. Yep. And he Just pops back up. Billy eyes. pops up. Bam! Bam! Right, between the, right in the forehead, right? Puts a bullet Boom. in his head. headshot. Not in my movie. There we go. Yeah, and then uh, this is when Dad pops out of the closet, spooks everybody. They start uh, getting him help. Yeah, all it is 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 uh, it was it Randy and and um, and Nev. They wind up going over Jamie and Nev. Got, you know, they they tend to down whatever. There, there's basically just a neat little wrap up where it sort of yeah. goes into the morning and like news crews showing up yeah, and them getting Dewey out pops. of there. And yeah, exactly. Gail's like this eyewitness account, and she starts going into her. And the thing, she's like, almost like something out of a scary movie. Yeah. 
That was my big thing. Yes, I was like, I, oh, that, if they would have kept the original name... It would have made sense. That would have been the name drop. Yeah, man. But, uh, yeah, that's our film, right? You get a quick uh, you get a quick shot of, like, the ghost face killer. Oh, really off. quickly before yep. the credits. And then you get this weird outro music. I'm like, it didn't really fit the outro, I think. Yeah, but... But, but anyhow, you get the end credits, and that's it, man. That's, that's Scream, right? Hour and 50 minutes, roughly? Something like that. You know? It didn't really feel like it at times, to be honest. No. And then there were times where I was like, oh, i got about an hour left in this film, but the hour went by so fast. Because there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue, per se. No, I, I like I said, there was that one little bit in the middle where I zoned out, but that was more because I was just having to take notes. Like, yeah, no, the one thing that caught watching, my attention through that, some of those lulls were just those quick snippets of what they said, especially with, with Skeet, like I said, like, kind of being the asshole, saying, I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe you compared that to that. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It was weird. But yeah, man. I just think no, this was film, just a, a great one to sort of keep mixing it up, keep following slashers. Yeah, because, because this one this totally really changed, re-energized things. Yeah, like it, it gave new life not only to like I said showing how the slasher film is done, and then switching it up by having the killer know the, the whole format inside and out. And we're going to continue playing with that idea yeah. in our next slasher segment. Which I'm excited about, too. And I'm not quite sure yet how this is all going to roll out. I think this next one will for sure be on time, though our last one might be... There's some things in the works, and there we'll are. keep you updated. Uh, so, we're not sure exactly when or how some of this is going to roll out yet. Yeah, but we've got some But things we're going to try to keep this uh, on course as, as close as possible, especially because we only have... Two of the slashers left before yeah, we, so we are almost just go off on other up, things man. anyway. Uh, in terms of, of our slasher uh, yeah. realm. Now, this next one, not as iconic. That's okay. But man. that's kind of the point of the movie. I agree. I do. I agree. So our next look at the slasher genre will be Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yeah, and it's, it's a really interesting take, like I said, on the slasher genre. Uh, one, I think, definitely fueled by the fact that Scream happened. Oh, without a doubt. Um I would say, yeah, I would think without Scream, you would not get this film. I, I would agree. Absolutely. Scream was very monumental in this happening. And I wouldn't say that this next one is... Like, all these ones that we've done so far have influenced other things that came after. Right. I'm not sure how much you could say that about this next one as much, especially because it hasn't been around as long. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a newer But it's definitely the next entry. way of looking at slashers. You know, that's a good point, because there's, there's some other films, I think, that might maybe follow that, that mode a little bit, which a I'll mention, bit. too, later on. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to this film. Like I said, we're, we're near the end of uh, like I said, this Our little slasher. Yeah, dumb. but it's not the end. No, all right, no. it's not the end all. No. Uh, it's just the end of our we little will, journey. I mean, we're right going to even hit some of these franchises yeah. again. I'm sure. So what I feel like we've done is like we've uh, we've kind of brightened a path along the way, mm -hmm. right? To like branching off of all these different movies, etc. And uh, this is another entry. We can do that as well. Um, and in order to keep along with us doing that, yeah, um, you should listen to us on either. I mean, we got SoundCloud, yeah, we're still there. iTunes, iTunes, Stitcher, Tuned In, wow, yeah. Google Play, whatever. Yeah, we're on all those. Just search for you us. You can listen to hard. us on our website, right? Stream through us through SoundCloud on our website, www.friedsquirms.com. We're still there. We're still on uh, Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. Search for Fried Squirms. We're at Fried Squirms on Twitter. Yeah. Um, which I mean, I, I haven't used like we, a couple times today. I mean, we're still on I even Are threw up a Instagram? picture of my fucking cat. Yeah. Not yet. Okay. I was like, I know we've got so many. You want to see how cute my cat is? Yeah. Go to Twitter. You should. You should Twitter Bam. our cat. 
Uh, we're trying Thomas to get Cat. more shit on the website. Like I said, there's yeah, we've got a lot of things there. in the works. Yeah, we've got some wheels turning, man. I'm excited about where we're going. And, and we're, we're excited to continue sharing it with you all. And yeah. uh, get in touch with us, squirmcast at gmail.com. Yeah, like I so said, we, we look forward to uh, you know your feedback. Uh, let us know what you think. Give us some suggestions because uh, you know right after this, it's kind of wide open in a sense. You know, we've yeah. got some work. We have some things but... that are being talked about. Some will happen definitely sooner than others, but some will, uh, yeah. depending on timing. And yeah, stuff and like that. So. Like I so said, the, the the cool thing is, like I so said, we're uh, well, we're maybe a third of the way in the year. We've got nine oh, more plenty great time. months yeah. to cover so many good films. But yeah, like I so said, this is our nineteenth episode. I'm looking forward to our twentieth episode coming up. Let's do it. Yeah, man. So once again, uh, like I said, thanks for listening to us. I'm Danny. Tyler. Yeah. Have a good night. Um, Yeah, that's all I got, too.